You don't know how to use the shells? Shells? Adam Curry, John C. Devorah. And Sunday, May 12th, 2013, time for your Gitmo Nation Media Assassination Episode 512. This is No Agenda. Counting 400 ppm at the Travis Heights hideout where Soko meets Mofo in Austin, Texas. In the morning, everybody, I'm Adam Curry. And from northern Silicon Valley, where I'm reading tweets, I'm John C. Dvorak. It's Crackpot and Buzzkill in the morning. <laughs> this is usually where you say uh, that I'm following uh, Britney Spears. No, I, but now you mentioned it, it did happen the other day, and your name's still on there. <laughs> and then, so, and, and it shows up, so you see me as a tweet, and then it says, Adam follows Britney Spears. Is that how it works? No, no. Oh. On this, on the left-hand column where this says "Who to Follow," oh, which is I wrote a whole oh, column okay. about how stupid this is uh-huh. because I don't not interested in following half of these people. Right. Uh, so, you, but they could do an analysis of who I talk to and what you know they they could do an, a line analysis and figure out who I really should be following, but they don't. Anyway, so it shows up Britney Spears and it says followed by and it names a bunch of names. And I'm always on it. Oh yeah, at the top. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, could you turn up your uh, your your microphone a little bit? Could you turn up uh, your microphone? Microphone is good, but if you can turn up your microphone, that'd be better. Just how's the, this? Yeah. My, oh wow, world of difference. Oh yeah, right. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey everybody, hi everybody. Uh, in the morning to you, John C. Dvorak. In the morning to you, er, early enough, uh, and in the morning to all the ships at sea, feet on the ground, uh, subs in the water, boots in the air. And uh, all the dames and knights out there. Yeah, and uh, and in particular to all the subs in the Mediterranean waters. We'll be talking about that later on in this uh, in this program. The Russians are uh, now uh, putting subs into the Mediterranean Sea. Uh, but the reason you are here is uh, to cut through the bullcrap. Not that we have all the answers to life in the universe. We do come pretty close. But this was a particularly interesting couple of days, um, which really show you why you come to this program. Uh, let us start with uh, Spokeshole Carney at the White House, uh, who th- something tremendously interesting happened uh, this past week. Good Friday afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for being here. I appreciate uh, your patience. Uh, before I take your questions, I just wanted to note, because it's been uh, reported, we, we did, as uh, many of you know, have a background briefing here at the White House earlier. A background briefing? Uh, I think 14 news organizations were represented, ranging from online to... Uh, broadcast TV, print, and the like. <laughs> I love that. It makes it sound like, hey, man, we invited a whole, like a whole spectrum of journalists so that we were really open and transparent, where really we were inviting the people who were telling them what to say. Uh, uh, did you catch the little, uh, he had a little grammatical thing he said. Oh, let me, let, me, let, me, let me roll it back. Let me listen. Let me listen. Background briefing here at the White House earlier. Uh, I think 14 news organizations were represented, ranging from online. Yeah, you, you missed yeah, it. No, it no, I get it. Oh, okay. Well, let's go back. I want to hear it again. Good Friday afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for being here. I appreciate uh, your patience. Uh, before I take your questions, I just wanted to note, because it's been uh, reported, we, we did, as uh, many of you know, have a background briefing here at the White House earlier. Uh, I think 14 news organizations. What was it? He said, and, and thus by implication, uh, he said, "Because it has been reported." Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. Because exactly. Because everyone because was bitching about it. One of the and I, by the way, have, I'm skeptical about this whole thing uh, being what it looks to be. It's possible 
because and because he said because it's been reported because he wouldn't yeah. have said anything if it wasn't for that. Correct. Some one of these fourteen organizations, and by the way, I challenge anybody out there to get a list of these people. Yeah, uh, I couldn't do it, and although you can by process well, of we kind of figure it out. I think we know that Reuters was not invited because this is where the reporting came from. Was Reuters tweeting saying, "Oh, we're not invited." Jake Tapper, CNN. Well, CNN is invited. Just Jake's not invited. <laughs> right. Also, uh, uh, Associated Press obviously wasn't invited since they started grilling right after <laughs> the first that. question. Yeah. <laughs> but but what I'm thinking uh, this because this was a bonehead move and it was obviously going to get figured out because they at the normal time of the press conferences when they had the background briefing and everyone else is standing around wondering what the hell happened. Hey, where's Bill? You know, it's like uh, I think there may have been uh, an attempt if there this. I think they're doing these background things more often, and I think they're looking for a leak, so they oh, can do it. In, well, that's so it. They, that's so they can do it in private, so they can have these meetings hmm. in private and tell give people their walking orders. In this case, somebody spilled the beans because it, it, Carney himself says, or somebody who was reporting this said the the real secret was that they were having the meeting in the first place. Right. That was the off the record part. The rest of it was a background, deep background, which means it's just stuff they're telling you that nobody else gets deep, to know about. A really deep background. Deep background means you know propaganda. Actually, oh yeah, no, the whole thing. <laughs> the, the whole thing is propaganda. But I think they they found the leak. Right. Figure out who. I mean, they found there's a leak. And they got to figure out who to get him out. Who do you think? Who do you think? Who do you think it is? I don't know. Oh, but Reuters found out about it right away. Right. 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 Interesting. Now, well, I'm going to take that as uh, as a good analysis. Uh, deep background, of course, means that um, we'll be seeing a lot of uh, reports that say, according to White House sources, unnamed White House sources, because that's what it is, right? Deep background means yeah. we're going to tell you this, but you're not allowed to mention anyone's name who told you this, which is a part of the most transparent uh, administration in history. <laughs> it re- it's, re- it's really phenomenal. We're represented, yeah, ranging great. from online to... Uh, broadcast TV, print, and the like. And the like? Uh, and uh, What does and the like? What does that mean? <laughs> and the like. And the we like. Know that the online was the Huffington Post. <laughs> what, on, what does that mean, and the like? Was this Facebook there? The like? We just call it the like. I don't know. Maybe guy, some guy writes a newsletter. I have no idea. <laughs> Do those periodically. We, we hope that uh, participants find them helpful. Uh, yes. I will say that no one here believes that briefings like that are a substitute for this briefing, which is why I'm here today to take questions oh. <laughs> uh, on whatever issues uh, you want to ask me about. And what- <laughs> whatever happened to the old windbag that they fired right away? Remember her? Yeah. You know, here's a question for you. Have you noticed this? I mean, I, I sure have. I watched this press conference, and when Carney gets, a, you know, the simplest question that he just basically said, well, I already answered that and go to the next one. He doesn't mm-hmm. do that anymore. He, he does what Obama does, and I've seen, and I think Obama set the stage for this. He just starts talking. Yeah. And he's just, yeah. just, just talk, talk, yak, yak, yak. He says everything he said. He's, well, it starts press- reading. He starts reading, literally reading. You can, and the president does this too. They, they have the four screens in that, uh, in that lectern, and he'll be, and, and you know, the lectern is way high. This is the whole trick there. So the lectern, if you look at it, it's on a podium. Uh, I think Carney's probably standing on a box on the podium. So he's looking down at the press. As you know, It's they always have these crappy seats. Are those even temporary? They might be temporary chairs, for all I know. It always feels folding, chairs, folding yeah. chairs, right. So they're much lower. And Carney, with his glasses on, you can you can see him, like, 
feigning like he's looking down, but he's not looking down. He is looking straight at one of those four monitors in the lectern. So he's reading off uh, whatever uh, you know they're preparing because they got a whole research team in the back. We've we have already uncovered this where they forgot to turn off the sound and like it's pinging and the screens are flashing. Like oh, here's the answer, boss. Here it is. Use this one. It's quite an yeah. operation. But they had yeah, and it's, you know, I've you've seen this in other. One time, I, there's a couple of shows, of uh, network radio shows, uh, not all of them, but I've seen this. I went to do a show in Canada once, and uh, I was going to be a guest on some, and I can't remember the name of it, but it was one of the big syndicated all throughout Canada morning shows, and they had the guys in the, in a studio. I think it was the, wasn't it, wasn't it the morning zoo, A. Eh? <laughs> no, it wasn't the morning zoo, A. <laughs> <laughs> Ozer. <laughs> so anyway, um, <laughs> sorry, idea for a show. Couldn't, couldn't help anyway, myself. <laughs> so I'm watching, I, but they kept me out into the control room, and there's like four people on IFBs, or not? They're there on the mics, and these guys got the IFB in there, and they'd be asking questions and talking, and these guys would be provide right into the guy's ear. They'd be providing him information, <laughs> yeah, yeah. things to say. Yeah. The guy actually knew nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I I think we mentioned that when MSNBC opened up, uh, my company at the time w- was doing the chat because Microsoft couldn't, uh, their servers wouldn't run a chat. So we had a Linux-based chat, and then we had, a, I think it was Active Server Pages website on top of it. But the chat was, of course, you know, really robust because it was running on a Sun, you know, Spark server. And because of that, we were invited to the opening. And you may recall, and this was out in Jersey somewhere, uh, on the other side of the the George Washington Bridge, that uh, Tom Brookshaw had um, President Clinton as a guest for the opening of MSNBC. And so I got to sit in the newsroom, and it was astounding to see not just how the the questions were being fed continuously in Brookshaw's ear, but how good he was at it. Oh yeah, no, just, he, that's why he was so. Oh, yeah, top he was of just game. talking, and then you know, and the guy would be throwing in questions. All right, thirty seconds, Tom, ask him this, and then you know, while while he's asking the question, the assistant director is counting down twenty five, twenty four. You've got twenty, Tom. Okay, get Clint, wrap him up, get a ten second answer, and we're in commercial. And the 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 disgusting part of it is, of course, it's so directed you get no real information because I'm sure Clinton was hearing it too. He's probably that he was probably that good too. Anyway, so it's, uh, yeah, bullcrap. Um, it's total bullcrap. Bull crap. So Scott- Welcome to the media. <laughs> hey, well, it gets better. So Scott Pelley of CBS, CBS, he did a speech at um, some college, and I pulled a 30-second a soundbite, which really shows why, again, wh- one of the reasons you're here is the mainstream news media makes it easy for us. These have been a bad few months for journalism. Yeah, the, call, call it decades, but okay, months. Decades, months. for sure. We're getting the big stories wrong. Yeah! Don't no. <laughs> Say it ain't so! <laughs> and over again. Let me take the first arrow during our coverage of Newtown. I sat on my set and I reported that Nancy Lanza was a teacher at the school and that her son had attacked her classroom. It's a hell of a story, but it was dead wrong. Now, I was the managing editor. I made the decision to go ahead with that, and I did, and that's what I said, and I was absolutely wrong. Yay! 
that's right. Wrong. Wrong. Where did, huh? who, who fed him that in the first place that he'd use that, that story? Well, well, Does uh, he explain it? No. No, no, no. He doesn't explain it. Of course, of course not. That That's irrelevant. I like the fact that he said they're wrong. I think this is... He's probably a news guy. He he does care, uh, but he's caught up in everything. And he asks all the questions like, why? Why do we have to be first? Well, because that's the business. You know, ever since broadcast news, this is the hard on you people have is you got to be first. Well, this, goes, this goes way back before that. This goes back to the days of the three or four newspaper towns, and they're always competing for readership, and, and everyone's out to get the scoop. Well, if it's for readership, to- then it's for, then ultimately it's about money. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's always right. been, the scoop has always been about money. So that's what he's. That is the uh, the obvious elephant in the room that he's missing. Now here is my favorite. Um, my favorite bit. Now we keep on talking about how compromised these news organizations are. My favorite one, of course, is ABC. As the president of ABC News, I guess it's um, his sister is a. Uh, I've said it. I've said it incorrectly in the past. I go back and forth. I knew it was a family member. It is his sister who is a high-ranking personal advisor in the Obama administration to the president. Uh, and But it's always more fun when you hear the mainstream media tell you how compromised they are. And Oh, and let's pile on CBS and CNN while we're at it. I think the media is becoming the story. Let, let's face it. CBS News president David Rhodes and ABC News president Ben Sherwood, both of them have siblings that not only work at the White House, that not only work for President Obama, but they work at the NSC on foreign policy issues directly related to Benghazi. Let's call a spade a spade. Let's also show you why CNN did not go very far in covering these hearings, because the CNN Deputy Bureau Chief Virginia Mosley is married to Hillary Clinton's deputy, Tom Nides. (laughs) It is time for the media to start asking questions, why are they not covering this? It's a family matter for some of them. It's a family affair. Yeah, there you go. That's how it works. Well, you know, another reason for the secret meeting of the 14. It's a family reunion. Well, it may <laughs> were, have been a family just, uh, beatdown. They were just drinking. All right. With rubber because hoses. Yeah. ABC, who was definitely in that meeting, is the one who leaked the, uh, the, the memo the, the memo about the changes right, in the Benghazi right. uh, material. Yeah. That guy, we're not going to see a lot of him, I don't think, anymore. No, he's done. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's, he's, no. CNN is hiring. <laughs> For for Utah, Channel 14. You can be on HLN right before Nancy Grace. So uh, talking about all this, I I just pulled down the Pew Research Center for People in the Press. And and what got me to this is the Scott Pelley comment that, oh, there have been a bad few months. (laughs) This is the media credibility ratings uh, by both parties as a combined thing. And it shows this ridiculous decline. Uh, for example, in uh, there's a decline. Sixty minutes has declined from a thirty-five percent. Oh, by the way, the the baseline on this. Let me just go to news organizations' believability. The high number is thirty-three percent. People believe sixty minutes <laughs> believes most or all or most. <laughs> Hold on a second. Thirty-three. That's the magic number. You gotta love it. It's the magic number. Of course. What? Yeah, that's what the report does open with the 33. And then it goes down. CNN's 29% um, believes. uh, Fox News, 27%, which is higher than Wall Street Journal, which is 25%. This means people who believe all or most 
you get down to USA Today, 17% and with I, the New York Times just above them at 20 I have to now, tell you that USA Today, is, I feel, has gotten good. Well, they got a new editor. They took right. Larry Kramer, the editors, yeah. to run Market Watch over here in San Francisco. So now the uh, publisher. Oh, really? And they took he, he took his editor at Market Watch, and now he's the editor yeah. over there. Well, that won't last because the paper is, is printing too much truth. That has to stop. Go well, back to the pretty pictures and the color. Anyway, so here's the so but but meanwhile they have another one ranking by uh, from 2000 to 2010, and with let's see, pretty much no exceptions, the numbers have dropped dramatically. Except Fox has gone up. Uh, yeah. With, with Republicans only, with Democrats, it's gone down. <laughs> of course. There's, there's, there's no credibility. The media's lost all its credibility. All credibility. For yeah. 10 years, and it's just getting worse. And there's yeah. no reason for a show like ours. What? There's no reason for the show. What do you if mean? If the media was doing its job. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. You scared me for a moment there. I'm like, what? If the, if if the, media, the media was doing its job, job yeah, would, there would be no reason. wouldn't be t- turning to... a. a Various podcasts, and a lot of people just listen to nothing but podcasts yeah. to get some sort of perspective yeah. of, of that makes sense. By the way, I mean, most of the stuff we do is just logical. It's like, wait a minute, this guy said this, and this guy said that, and this guy said this. Well, the, 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 this Ergo. answer can't be right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have uh, uh, on high authority that this show is perfect for a half marathon. <laughs> If you're slow, <laughs> if you're slow, or if you're, or a full marathon, if you're like a pro, but uh, yeah, it, apparently it works really well. Uh, although, uh, so this was producer Jane here in Austin who told me she ran the half marathon, listened to the show, uh, but there was a guy who who died next to her, so she didn't she didn't know if that had anything to do with it or not. The guy died, died. next to her. Yeah, just fell down dead. Twenty three years old. These marathons don't sound healthy. Twenty-three <laughs> years old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, it's always like some weird heart thing. That'll be me. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, already gone past the, the, the drop, drop dead deadline. <laughs> some weird heart thing. Anyway, so this all kind of leads to where I believe the media will be focusing its attention. Of course, we have the 2014 midterm elections coming up. That'll be a. Uh, That'll be quite annoying, and we need lots of money spent on the media. So this is maybe positioning as to who's going to get all the money. Uh, we know that it's going to be uh, that the, uh, the, the they have to stretch out this guns thing because that really makes women uh, shun anything Republican, anything other than the, the Democrat Party, which I think is, uh, is, a, is a really a smart strategy. But then along this, we're going to have the legacy, the legacy of this president, which he, this is the only, now, all leaders of the free world, as far as I can tell, are megalomaniacs. They are insane. I don't. I can't think of many who just aren't. And I've met politicians. John, you've met politicians. They're all a-holes. They're all above you. They always look down at you. Have you ever met a politician who you didn't get that feeling from? No. No, thank you. And you've met a couple in your time, right? Quite a few. And, and in the old country, in Euroland, oh, it's even worse. They're just really like, who are you, scum? That's, that's the feeling you get from just talking to them. Oh, sorry, I have to, didn't lick your boots. So our president, of course, is no exception. And uh, and his his show that he does, uh, and I'm one of the few people who watch his show. In fact, it, you know, the, if the media watched his show, they might learn a couple of things. Um, and I was kind of taken aback by what he was saying. And just, well, check it out for yourself. Uh, of course, how, we always start the show with a uh, a hefty, Hi, everybody! Hi, everybody. 
Our top priority as a nation is reigniting the true engine of our economic growth. <laughs> That's my favorite. That's the only thing I can think of is how can I reignite the engine of growth? A rising, thriving middle class. And few things define what it is to be middle class in America more than owning your own cornerstone of the American dream. <laughs> now, I want to say that I received an email that my uh, FICA score has gone up. You want, do, you, do you know what your FICA score is, John, by any chance? No, not offhand. So I have 662. Yeah, I don't even know what that means. Which is right when in the, I was a kid, they didn't have FICA scores. Well, this is a lot of what the president is talking about, really, and and he's touted this before. Uh, the FICA score is so 662 is right above the red line and underneath the yellow line. <laughs> so I don't know if I'm going to get any cornerstone of the American dream, Mr. President. No one wants to give me any money for that. A home. A home. Today, seven years after the real estate bubble burst, now check it out. triggering the worst economic crisis since the Great Depression. Okay, now this is all the whole horrible thing. Costing millions of responsible Americans their jobs and their homes. Our housing market is healing. Sales are up. Foreclosures are down. <laughs> I'm sorry. Sales are up. Foreclosures are down. Costs are down. Sales are up. Everything's great. Hockey stick. Construction is expanding. Expanding. And thanks to rising home prices over the past year, 1.7 million more American families have been able to come up for air because they're no longer underwater on their mortgages. I love all of the uh, the James analogies. Who's writing this material? Well, wait for it. Because James Cameron. So, so who is responsible for all of this, John? Who who do you think? Uh, Bush. Who do you think would take responsible? Would actually just take oh, responsible for the upside? Just for all the good. Him. Yeah, but but how he does it, I was amazed, literally just like, wow. From the day I took office, I've made it a priority to help responsible homeowners and prevent the kind of recklessness that helped cause this crisis in the first place. Hell yeah. My housing plan has already helped more than 2 million My. people refinance their mortgages. My housing plan. And they're saving an average of $3,000 per year. My new consumer watchdog agency is moving forward on protections like a simpler short... My new, it's like, what is he, the sheriff? <laughs> my, my ideas, my Or a mortgage form that will help to keep hardworking families from getting ripped off. Ripped off. But we've still got more work to do. <laughs> we've got more responsible homeowners to help. Folks who have folks, never missed a mortgage payment folks. but aren't allowed to refinance. How about folks who just want a mortgage but can't get one because of your stupid FICA thing that is all wrangling everybody? Working families who've done everything right but... Right, so it's a... I just want you to hear kind of how he's taking credit now. You know, it's like, I did this, and this is my plan. Yeah, I like the my, my, my thing. There's no, there's no my in team, okay? <laughs> there's no my in team, dude. Uh, but uh, almost on par with something he said in his State of the Union and something we've been tracking, it has all been about this. We must do more to combat climate change. And now you and I have talked about this. This is from the State of the Union, uh, where, of course, uh, it is quite clear that we are going into a global cooling, so we need to get everything in place. We need to get all these things rocking and rolling before the temperatures really start to drop so that he can say, my climate change plan, and you ready for it? Saved the Earth. Did you see New Yorker magazine? No. Oh, my goodness. Okay, I'll bring it up here. It says that 
President Obama <laughs> is possibly the only man who can save the earth. He has four <laughs> years to save the earth. This is what it says. He, he, it says, why Obama might actually be the environmental president. And let me finish the rest of the State of the Union uh, speech yeah, because cause it's, good. it's good to remember what he was saying. Hey! Hi, everybody! Hi, hi, hi. 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 It's true that no single event makes a trend. However, but the fact is, facts. the 12 hottest years on record uh -huh. have all come in the last 15. Fa fact. Heat is, that, is that true, John? I don't know. <laughs> it depends on how you look at the numbers, I guess. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Heat waves, droughts, wildfires, floods, all are now more frequent and more intense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Except for hurricanes. <laughs> I don't know. What happened to the hurricanes? They're all so frequent and intense. Super hurricanes. Get it. Ever since that, <laughs> when it hit New Orleans, we're supposed to have two or three a year. going to destroy everything. Where is it? I we can know. choose to believe that Superstorm Sandy and, and the most severe drought in decades and the worst wildfires some states have ever seen were all just a freak coincidence. This is, a, this is you know, I've forgotten what he had said here. We can choose to believe that or you can choose to believe whatever he's going to say. Or we can choose to believe in the overwhelming judgment of science. The judgment science, of science. But the judgment of science. Judgment of science. Wow, Ju I didn't know science made judgment. Judgment. Shut up already. It's science. And act before it's too late. Act. By the way, uh, f uh, act is part of fact. Just so you know. There is an act in fact. You want to say something? Okay, this, yeah, it wasn't New Yorker magazine. It was New York magazine. I'm sorry. Well, yes, New York magazine. Because New Yorker magazine actually, uh, in earlier in April, uh, had has Obama already given up on climate change. Oh. They've taken a completely different tactic. Oh, I'm sorry. New York magazine, you are correct. States have ever seen. We're all just a freak coincidence. Or we can choose to believe in the overwhelming judgment of science and act before it's too late. Now, the good news is we can make meaningful progress on this issue while driving strong economic growth. I urge this Congress to get together, pursue a bipartisan market-based solution to climate change, like the one John McCain and Joe Lieberman worked on together a few years ago. you got to see that video. It's so funny. Can they put the camera on McCain. He's like pooping his pants. Like, uh... Uh, <laughs> yeah, why well, mention me? Uh, what? Why? What? <laughs> and uh, what's his name? Schumer is sitting next to him going like, yeah, he called you out, bitch. <laughs> if Congress won't act soon to protect oh. future generations. Oh, what? Then? I will. Okay. I will direct. I will. I will direct. I will direct, I will direct my, to my friends to come up with executive <laughs> actions we can take now and in the future to reduce pollution, prepare our communities for the consequences of climate change, and speed the transition to more sustainable sources of energy. Okay, so what we've been looking at in the past couple of weeks in this initiative is mainly the communication of climate change. And we had a big one take place right after our show on uh, Thursday. And this is the 400 parts per million, John. 
And I spent some time this morning before the show to count them here in Austin. And indeed, we have 400 parts per million of carbon dioxide in our environment. And uh, you know what the magic number was, don't you? No. 350. Oh, no. Do you not remember 350.org? Oh, yeah, 350.org. I read from there, and this has been on uh, NPR. It's like this is this is growing. So we had this Benghazi thing. That's annoying, but this is gonna, this is a slow build. On May 9th, wait. <clears throat> Got to do it properly. On May 9th, for the first time ever, the world's most important COT ob- CO2 observatory measured daily concentrations above 400 parts per million. 350.org is named after 350 ppm, the safe level of carbon in the atmosphere. Passing 400 is a sober reminder that we have much work to do. The only good news, we're doing it. Together, we're building the kind of movement we need. It will be hard. There will be setbacks, but we can and must keep building. None of us are alone in this fight. And as the temperature continues to rise, so shall we. So that's your... Uh, it doesn't really say that. It says, so we will. So oh. will we. <laughs> so will we. Is that what I said? Yeah, you said shall. Oh, I'm sorry. Yep. I like well, mine better. I, I didn't want them to be more a feat than they actually are. <laughs> so, I'm sorry. That's... So will and shall. Anyway, it's and then more... they got this subdomain, but... 400.350.org. But wait, look at, look at this picture. Do you see there's an outline of a polar bear like he's been shot? Yeah, <laughs> you know, like like they have the, the the outline of the dude where he was I laying. I guess they on. couldn't find an area where there wasn't snow to do this. Is that what we're? Is that the impression I guess, you're getting? I don't know, but there's an outline of a polar bear. It said snow. <laughs> so so did so, you look at this uh, the subdomain? Yeah. Oh yeah. And I've, I've, are you kidding me? I've been all over this. So this is um, uh, it, it's the communications is really what's happening. Uh, now, I don't think John or I really think that, uh, you know, uh, everything that is predicted is coming to fruition or that we're, you know, we've just been, we're, we're too old to fall for this anymore. We, we just, we've been around the block Especially too many times. Especially all from one guy who's in this organization, <laughs> James Hansen, the former NASA climatologist who brought everybody's attention to this thing. And he yeah. looks like a kind of a crazy guy. So so there's all of these uh, communications going on and everyone is is pitching in trying to help trying to figure out how can we uh, do something about this because you know we're really losing the fight. So we get like a super They are st- losing the fight not in a big way, but they're losing it, but they're they losing. can still recover. Well, so here's something I found. Uh this is uh from the same uh, uh climate change uh, communications institute over there at Yale. Uh, 99 one-liners that rebut climate change denier talking points. And uh, I just love, you know, progressive, I've got to read this, some of this to you. Progressive. So, is this, so wait, 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 you found a, a, a talking a, point a memo that sheet. rebuts other talking points? It's a, Yeah, but it's a cheat sheet that you can yeah. use when you apparently are having dinner with your idiotic friends. <laughs> and progressive should know the disinf... Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> You should have it printed out and at the table at yeah. the ready when they have the dinner with you. Yes. I just put it down next to the placemat. <laughs> <laughs> Laminated. Progressives should know the disinformers must most commonly used arguments and how to answer them crisply. 
Those arguments have been repeated so many times by the fossil fuel-funded disinformation campaign. Oh, yeah. Hey, where's our money? <laughs> where's my fossil fuel-funded disinformation cash, people? Where is it? We want it. <laughs> Can we go to the Department of Fossil Fuel-Funded Disinformation Campaign money and get some of that? All right, so uh, we had the skeptic argument and then the one-liner to response. Okay, you want to do a couple like of these? This. No, this is very smart. Okay. Because we need to do this too. Yeah, it's like we do. Yeah, it's like yeah. You know, we need just uh, the answer we need is a always fact that does this. The answer is always send money dvorak.org slash na. That's the answer to everything. <laughs> All right, number one uh, skeptic argument: climates changed before. One liner response: climate reacts to whatever forces it changes to at the time. Humans are now the dominant force. What? That's yeah. a terrible answer. <laughs> That's the one. That's not what I would write. I would have written a much better retort. All right. Well, um, here's number two. It's the sun. Uh, the answer? In the last 35 years of global warming, sun and climate have been going in opposite directions. <laughs> they have a divorce or something? That's bad. That's that's not very that's good. That's not good either. And it's probably not. I don't even believe it's true. No. Uh, number three. It's not bad. <laughs> that would be what I would say. It's not so bad. And your response should be, negative impacts of global warming on agriculture, health, and environment far outweigh any positives. These are terrible. I know. Uh, here's my favorite. There is no consensus. Oh, yeah? 97% of climate experts agree humans are causing global warming. <laughs> Yeah, and anyone else who, who who says anything other gets shouted down. I don't think this counts. That's uh, what I would say. I mean, I these, these are not are bad. Good. No, these are not good. It's cooling. I, I'm telling you, we could do a better job. Yeah. Well, we, we should probably. You know, you know, would be really nah, smart. Getting, they can do their own work. I like We're this. Not unpaid consultants. I like true. I like this. Models are unreliable, and their answer is models successfully reproduce temperatures since 1900 globally by land, in the air, and the ocean. What I would say is, yeah, models are unreliable. You can't get those bitches to take their clothes off whenever you want them to. Yeah, they're ba-ding. <laughs> hey. So there's 99 of these. 99. Here's one. Ice age was predicted in the 70s. Now, John, here's, here's the answer to this one. Uh, no, dude. The vast majority of climate papers in the 1970s predicted global warming. What? <laughs> That's just a blatant lie. <laughs> anyway. So in other words, you're supposed to this is the this is what these guys are up to. Yeah. That, yeah. yeah, makes sense to me. So just more as far as I'm concerned, this is just more proof that they're full of shit. So there is something we have to be on the lookout for. This is the NRDC. This is uh and this is kind of what this New York article uh, states as, as it says Obama has four years to save the earth. So the way they look at it, the Clean Air Act, um, which is the responsibility of the uh, Environmental Protection Agency, who have enhanced regulatory powers now, uh, they only have to just make up a rule for the coal-fired energy plants to really change everything in in just one day. Now, it was already the EPA who said, 
Um, you know what? Uh, by 2020, all cars have to do 57 miles per gallon. There was no hearing. There was no uh, no debate. They just made it up. And you said, okay, this is what you got to do. So this is the kind of power that they have and that is taking place and is not really being uh, challenged. So you have the NRDC, the National Resources Defense Council, and uh, and this this is a pretty this is a pretty big group. You can find it at nrdc.org, John, if you want to follow along. Uh, they say the MPA the EPA has both the authority and responsibility to reduce pollution from uh, plants under the Clean Air Act, the nation's bedrock air pollution law adopted in 1970. This is the strategy. They are saying that the who and who signed the Clean Air Act was Republican Richard Nixon. So this is going to be the new strategy. Hey, it was a Republican who put this in, in the place, and we have the EPA who has the power uh, vested in them by the president, who said, here, bing, you have power. They can now change uh, the rules for fire for coal fire plants. And in uh, January of 2008, then candidate Barack Obama famously said the following. Oh, if somebody wants to build a coal fire plant, they can. It's just that it will bankrupt them because they're going to be charged a huge sum for all that uh, greenhouse gas that's being emitted. And that is exactly what is going to happen. And it is being fought as um, Inhofe, who, of course, uh, credibility-wise, there's none. (laughs) They they make him look like a total douche. Uh, But he has done something interesting, and he has uh, stopped the EPA on their so-called endangerment finding. So the EPA did a test, and they said, oh, well, you know what? These coal-fired plants, it's they're endangering the world, the greenhouse gases. We're all going to die. They're going to kill us. Uh, but they broke their own rules, and this is what he's stopping them on. And I tried to figure out what exactly was going on. The inspector general uncovered that the EPA failed to engage in their very own required record-keeping process and peer review procedure for any science that they regulate upon. So what had they done? They had done a study to prove, and it's very easy to to get desired results out of a study if you want to prove something, that the uh, the 400 parts per million were endangering the uh, the world, we're all going to die, so we have to uh, cap and trade and certainly tax. And who did they send that to for peer review? Who? The IPC. The IPCC. Oh, the IPCC. <laughs> by the way, let me just remind everybody who listens to this or, or screeds about this. If you're serious that this is taking place and it's a disaster, it's going to ruin the world, why are you doing cap and trade? Just you cap. do cap. Yep. What is the point of trade? If, you, if this is so bad, you cap it, you cap it, you cap it. You don't cap and trade. Cap and trade is just part of a giant scam. And talking about scams, by the way, the board of trustees of the NRDC, which has a bunch of <laughs> hotshot CEOs uh-huh. at the front. Uh-huh. You go down a little bit, Robert Redford, oh. Leonardo DiCaprio, oh. the head of Sony Pictures. <laughs> it's the communicators. <laughs> really? You don't say – this is what I love because I was like – is John going to look at this website? Is he there yet? Is he there yet? Thank you. Finally. <laughs> I didn't want to have to do all the work. <laughs> and then, uh, so today, uh, sorry, yesterday, uh, no, this is Friday, May 10th, uh, we get a very important, very important message from the White House. And uh, while everyone's bitching and moaning about whatever they bitch and moan about, um, I got a very important note here. The national strategy 
for the Arctic region. And uh, let me just read, uh, because this is very concerning. The Arctic region is rapidly changing. While the Arctic region has experienced warming and cooling cycles over millennia, the current warming trend is unlike anything previously recorded. As sea ice diminishes, ocean resources are more readily accessible. This accessibility, along with recent scientific estimates, indicate the presence of significant energy and other resources have inspired strong interest for new commercial initiatives in the region. And then it flows. Russia. Yeah, oh yeah. And then it flows back into all kinds of global warming crap. And so, of course, they have a they have the strategy written out, which I figured I'd download and highlight for you. You can find it in the show notes five one two dot dot com. And so here's the president's opening. As we recognize how to make the most of the emerging economic opportunities in the region, we recognize we must exercise responsible stewardship using an integrated management approach, making decisions based on the best available information with the aim of promoting healthy, sustainable, and resilient ecosystems over the long term. The Arctic region is peaceful, stable, and free of conflict. Time for the Americas to go in and fuck it all up, bitches. We're coming. Hey! Through the national strategy for the Arctic region, we articulate our strategic priorities to position the United States to meet the challenges and opportunities that lie ahead. And it's about uh, 30 pages, and um, there's a couple of major points. Advanced United States security interests. Yes, Russia, this is for you. We will enable our vessels and aircraft to operate consistent with international law through, under and over the airspace and the waters of the Arctic, support lawful commerce, achieve a greater awareness of activity in the region, (laughs) which means drones, and intelligently involve our Arctic infrastructure and capabilities, which means oil, gas, back off, everybody. We're claiming this. We are claiming it. We own the Arctic. It's not even bumping into our country. Oh, it's even better than that. Oh, this I can see the Canadians being a little No. Confused. Oh no, I'm sorry. Uh 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 uh. We will consult and coordinate with Alaska natives cuz they own it. All right, Alaska. Mm-hmm. That's the ticket. Mhm. Even as we work domestically and internationally to minimize the effects of climate change, the effects are already apparent in the Arctic. Ocean resources are more readily available as sea ice diminishes, but thawing ground is threatening communities as well as hindering land-based activities, including access to resources. That, to me, translates as, hey, are you a native Alaskan? (laughs) Forget the fish. Forget all that. But uh, down at the bottom of this document, there's two pieces where it really comes comes down to, obviously, the the point uh, mentioned here, provide for future United States energy security. It's always that. Uh, pursue responsible Arctic region stewardship, but then this is what is, this is now. Now we understand. Accede to the Law of the Sea Convention. Remember, we've talked about this. The Law of oh, the yeah, Sea. Oh yeah, we talked about it quite a bit. Accession to the convention would protect U.S. rights, freedoms, and uses of the sea and airspace throughout the Arctic region. So we've looked at this Law of the Sea, and um, it would essentially give us a lot of rights to the Arctic region and give us a a Caribbean-based, in fact, Jamaica-based court the right to litigate 
anything that, I don't know, Russia thinks is theirs? Or should Alaska think that they that the, the federal government has no business up there? They would also legislate that. That's what this is about. This is this is why Hillary Clinton was up there. Remember she was on the icebreaker, like floating around. Oh, it's so beautiful. Oh, I'm looking at climate change. No, she's putting flags down for her buddies in the oil and gas industry. That's what she's doing. Yeah. And marking it off so that uh, Russia, who had flags on the bottom of the ocean many, many years ago, uh, basically telling them to go pound sand. But I think a deal has been done. John. Now with the Russians. Yes. Oh, yes. Yes. I think a deal has been done. Um, there is now, this is this was breaking news, that the Russians are going to put four warship four more five more warships you know get the article the mediterranean task force here we go uh russia's mediterranean task force will comprise five to six warships and may be enlarged to include nuclear submarines so this is the mediterranean okay now we know that the that the russians have been having extensive talks with israel um mainly about leviathan of course uh, which is the huge gas field that we've been talking about for a couple of years but they will now be opening a new port, Port Maya, and that will be, uh, this is confusing because Port Maya, if you look for Port Maya, you'll see there's one in Mexico. That, of course, is not in the Caribbean. Um, port Maya is Cyprus. So the way it looks like it's turning out is, you know, the Russians have started to back off a little bit on Syria. Um, so they've got their corridor. Their corridor, Syria, is no longer going to be... They don't, they don't care about... Because the, they have the port. It looks like that's just going to fall apart. The reason why that has to fall apart is because that has always traditionally been Russia's um, corridor for anything they want to ship through. They go through Syria. And, of course, the uh, other side of the equation wants the Georgian connection. They want Boku. They want it coming through the Black Sea. Everything goes through Turkey, who, oh, that's kind of who our friends are now, right? Isn't Turkey like our friend against Syria? This is what you got to be looking at. All the pipes, all the, oh, the gas pipelines to Europe run through Turkey, uh, ultimately. So it looks like Russia's doing a deal with Israel not to pipe gas in from uh, from their region, but to take the gas right out of Leviathan, uh, pump it right through um, Cyprus, Greece, Italy, into Europe. That's their path. And now they've put warships in the Mediterranean to protect their turf. And I think it's I think it's like, okay, you guys get that. We'll take this. Screw all the rest. I think there has a, I think we have done a deal. Well, it's a possibility. The Russia, I mean, there's no way. Since, and I would say that only because there's been so little play of the Russian uh, invasion of the Mediterranean with their ships, uh, which makes zero sense if you really think about it, except unless they're there for a reason. And they have talked to Israel, and this would be a common. Uh, what else would they talk to them about? There's nothing else to talk to them about. <laughs> no, there's nothing. What are they going to do? <laughs> the only th- they're going to exchange chefs. No, I there's mean, only <laughs> there's only two things to talk about: shekels and and gas. Like what else? Is oh, we're done. Good night. Um. Well, if but, that's true, that means the serious story is going to start to change. Yes, it has to, because it's just no longer important. But now, but this is where it gets complicated. So, the, well, there is. Mm, it's important that Turkey remains good buddies. And Turkey, you know, they've got all they have they have like century old issues. 
So the so that they may not be like what we got what stop what, what? and you give us all these yeah, Syrians. No, that's true. The Turks will be and they're they're Muslim uh, extremists running the country, even though they aren't supposed to be by law. And they have uh, they have their never ending battle with the Kurds, which is Iraq supposed to be our buddies. Yeah, because we've made you know. Well, it's it's the same. It's the same. There's a lot of the uh, of the the Kurds are in Syria, so it's all kind of the same, the same anger that's going on. Um, So and and it makes total sense. This is why we're not in. This is why the president is doing anything he can to avoid conversation about the red line. You know, and the whole red line, as it turns out now, was not like, oh, don't you pass that red line, oh son. I was like, they'll never do that. Who gives? I don't want to do anything with Syria. It's not. It's, it's no good. Well, I think that would also account for the the uh, the stories that have come out that it was the rebels who used the gas. Exactly. That that is our own plant. We just like, well, please let it. Not, it can't be Assad. I can't step over that line. It's got to be someone else. <laughs> I actually have the. Uh, uh, I had that from uh, from last week. Here's a little uh, report on that. During our investigation for this is the UN inspector for crimes against humanity and war crimes. Uh, we God. collect some witness testimony that uh, that made to appear that uh, some uh, chemical weapons were used, in particular nervin gas. Nervin. And what was? Uh, <laughs> oh, it's just nervin gas. By the way, this, this is this this is the voice of the elites. Oh yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, what appear on um, um, to our investigation that uh, that was uh, used by the opponents by the rebels Ooh. and oh. we oh, have no no, <laughs> no indication at all that the government Syria uh, the authority of the Syria government has so this is just a woman who you know she's never been to Damascus it's like you know what uh, here you you tell the story and you're right this is the voice of the elites Oh, this is the message I have gotten to tell you, the slaves, so you do not think that America has to go into Syria because they do not care. There's no economic benefit to that. So we just needed to go away this problem. And let me say something about chemical weapons. I have a a new tact. I'm not going to say that, you know, I think they're great. Uh, But I would like to point out in the United Kingdom, the Home Office, this is uh, from the Telegraph, is testing a new form of chemical gun which could be used to control rioters and can be fired from more than 100 feet distance. Tests of the discriminating irritant projectile. It's called a tear gas gun. Discriminant irritant projectile. What does that even mean? A form of, well, I'm glad you asked. A form of gun that will fire an irritant substance like CS gas or pepper spray. Yeah. Is it like a flamethrower shoots out a big spray like a like a like the squirt gun every kid wants? I hope so. I hope so. But it's like that's a chemical weapon. It is it is the definition. It is a weapon that shoots a chemical. It is a chemical weapon. Yet oh, there's a red line over there in Syria. But the poor slaves of the United Kingdom are going to get the discriminant irritating projectile up their booty. <laughs> hey, slave. Stop, or I'll shoot a discriminant irritant projectile at you. Wow. Would you like a fun fact while we're at it? I'm, you know, I'm, I am Mr. Fun Fact. Where does the name Taser come from? Uh, 
Uh-huh. I thought I knew that. It is an acronym. Yeah, I would think so. And the guy who invented this um, named it after uh, one of his favorite science fiction uh, characters, Thomas A. Swift. And, it, and the acronym stands for Thomas A. Swift Electronic Rifle Taser. And, it, and uh, people uh, who know me know that I, I have read all the Tom Swift books. I'm finding this hard to believe. No. <laughs> I'm looking at the Wikipedia page now trying to find this. John's like, oh, wait a minute. The book of knowledge. It's not explained on here. Let me try this. You don't, uh, you don't like, why do you not like my uh, factoid? It's just one of those things that I think was, it sounds like it was reverse engineered. That's the reason I. I you, don't, you don't like my. Uh, facts. <laughs> that's, what, that's the reason. <laughs> Remember. <laughs> right there. You can't say fact without act. This is my new, this is my new one. You know, this, what a great <laughs> slogan. Fact without act. <laughs> I, th- this, I mean, we are so good at this. Why do they do these 99 things and. Ah, oh, this is stupid. Anyway, so that is uh, the world in a in a nutshell, ladies and gentlemen. That's what's going on. And meanwhile, what is? The, let me just look over at CNN. Manhunt. What are they after now? <laughs> I don't know. Men. I just want men. I want to find some men. Let's thank so our. We had uh, this idiot. Uh, let's thank our two uh, two or three producers. Oh yeah, let's we, and, we we came in a little. You know, these Sundays, you know, it makes you wonder. No, no, wait a minute. First of all, we're idiots. It is show five twelve. The date is five twelve. Can we be any denser? How dumb are we? I what don't know. Are, we should maybe look. We don't we have a database of these numbers and what they mean? Yeah. Well, <laughs> no. Show five twelve on five twelve is ludicrous that we missed that. But. And it's Mother's Day. <laughs> I, it's like so. Let's go on this. It's five twelve. Show five twelve on five twelve on Mother's Day, and we come up short. <laughs> yeah, with not a <laughs> single five twelve in the bunch. <laughs> okay, good work, everybody. Yeah, but you got to wonder. You really do have to wonder. You know the, how much scrambling there is between Thursday and Sunday show. It's way too much. I mean, wouldn't it make more sense? I mean, I'm not. I'm just um, waxing poetic here. But in the Sunday show, they keep coming up short. So we just do a longer Thursday show, and people can break it up themselves and and do it that way. Just do once a week. I and then, too, I think it would be a little. Well, there's two problems with that. I mean, I, I, I it's a good pitch, but there's two problems I have is one. The news cycle over that long a period, yeah, too much, especially yeah, with the true. number of things that break on Friday. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, so we, all kinds of, you know, especially in, in today's uh, news uh, world, a lot of bad shit happens on Friday, so it yeah. can get glossed yeah, over over true. the weekend. Now, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Because you know, like like the Carney thing. I will say that you know this was Austin Fashion Week, and of course the show was very handy for me. Like, oh, honey. I really can't go to the to the final show because you know it's like Saturday night and you know clips 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 <laughs> clips. I got to record clips. You know I don't want to be scrambling and you it's know. a great excuse. It's almost like being married. You're kind of married to the show and you use it like when most married people do this. You use your spouse as the excuse for not doing something you don't want to do that everybody thinks you should do. Yeah. Come on, you got to come out with us. We're gonna go bowling. 
Well, uh, <laughs> no, uh, no, my wife wants me to do this. <laughs> yeah, I got to do this thing this week. I got to pick her up from the airport. Now, I will, uh, now, of course, it was in town and I would have gone, but uh, I don't have $175 for a ticket. I'm just not going to do that. Because <laughs> he that. Aren't they, aren't, aren't these shows for for buyers who are going to go to buy the, oh, the lines? Oh, oh, you're you're presuming uh, you're presuming this is Austin, dude. <laughs> it's like money talks here. No, no, no. Um, Mickey, uh, now Mickey was was in, uh, you know, because she's a photographer and everything, so she didn't have to pay. But if I wanted to go in and I wanted a seat, and I was maybe it was more, maybe it was like two hundred and fifty dollars or something. And like, well, is it for a benefit? Yeah, the guy who organizes it. Like, okay, thanks. No. Um, you know, so it's just, uh, but anyway, so yes, I use it as an excuse, but it is on, you know, Saturdays is true. And, you know, I start in the afternoon and we're always, you know, I'm not complaining. Anyway, let's thank our, uh, let's thank our, uh, and by producers. the way, what, what, what are you going to be doing? What else am I going to be at doing? a fashion show? You'd look so gay. It would be ridiculous. Uh, well, um, and you're not going to date any of these women. Well, now you just now you just now you're just being mean. No, I'm just saying I'm, I'm giving you a practical reason for not wanting to go. No, but you, no, you're just being mean now. Okay, I'm being mean. It's I'm fun. sorry. I'm it's, sorry. I, I, it's fun in every which way. I, all, the gay reference is inappropriate. I'm, I apologize no, to that I'm, to our I, you don't have to apologize. No, no, gay listeners. No, it's a, it's that's all. <laughs> Actually, we have a lot. I suck. I really got to work on that. No, it's not about the gay thing. Ah, you can say whatever you want. No, it's like. Yeah, but I. This is kind of the dream, you know. The dream is you go to the fashion show with your wife, and then you know there's gonna be and then hot, you get laid. Yeah, there's gonna be these hot models, and they're gonna come back with us. We're gonna have a big orgy. That's <laughs> oh, that's not gonna happen. Is yeah, that, what that you're is saying? the dream. Yeah, that is the. I think it's called a hallucination. <laughs> I had a I had a real dream last night, and I woke up from this. Put this in the red book just for just for yucks. All right, I. And it was vivid, okay? It was vivid, be- and maybe because we've played a couple of clips of him recently. I've been watching video of him. Are you ready for this? Yeah. Joe Biden was president. Yeah. Exactly. And he and he sucked. He was, I mean, it was like a takeover, and he was off his rocker, and he was just, just like insane. Well, there's a lot of people who believe there's... Tons of scandal underlying this administration that is just waiting to emerge, and we've got like, you know, three years to to wait for it to happen. And 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 uh, Obama would just walk from the position. It's funny you say that. Um, let me just go back to his um, his Heil everybody speech. Uh, this is very interesting that you bring this up, John. Hold on a sec. Um, just oh, it's not that one. It's the Heil everybody. Hold on, let me get this. Wow, you just you just made me think of something. You know how sometimes you we actually we have this a lot where you're you're recording a clip and then you don't hear about it or maybe you know but you hear it the second time. You just said something that triggered. Let me hear it hold on a second. Hi everybody. Okay, hi everybody. Now let's listen back at the end here. And if you're one of the millions of Americans who could take advantage of that, you should ask your representative of Congress why they won't act on it. Wait for it. Our economy and our housing market are poised for progress. But we could do so much more if we worked together. More good jobs, greater security for middle-class families, a sense that your hard work is rewarded. That's what I'm fighting for, and that's what I'm going to keep on fighting for as long as I hold this office. Uh Uh-huh. 
What does that mean? As long as I hold this office. Yeah, well, it's a vagary. I mean, it could mean a lot. Be, who knows? I don't know what it means. Maybe it's- I mean, there's no chance of getting reelected, so it doesn't make sense to say it for that reason. I mean, we know how long it is. We know when it's going to end. <clears throat> so is it as long as I hold this office? It's like, well, maybe he's, he's already planning to quit. Well, he's made enough references to it recently. Yeah, he made the reference with the $100 million from Shelly Adel- Adelson. Yeah. I yeah. think that was a reference. Shelly Adderall. <laughs> Shelly Adderall. is like, you know, we'd take the $100 million and we'd walk. Yeah. Maybe still will. Maybe if Adelson hates the guy so much, he'd just offer him the money now to quit. Is that against the has, law? Has a president ever quit? Has a sitting president ever quit? Yeah, Johnson quit. He quit? Yeah. No. Yeah. What happened? The he, Nixon quit. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, Nixon, no, no. Johnson did quit. He decided not to re- rerun. Nixon quit. Well, but Nixon Nixon Ford was impeached, president, was he not? What, wasn't Nixon impeached? He was. N- he was not convicted. He quit before the thing was. He quit. He quit, and then uh, and then Gerald Ford became president and. Then, couldn't get reelected because the first thing he did was pardon Nixon <laughs> and fall down the steps. <laughs> so, uh, changed things. He could have pardoned him. You know, he didn't have to pardon him right away. Yeah. Oh, okay. whatever the case, uh, they all do that to each other. You know, they yeah. can, they're all committing crimes and so, then they pardon. Each other. Is there any other any other president that has quit? Uh, president that has presidents. Well, let's, all you can do is type in resigned presidents. No, president that has quit. You've got to say quit. Come on. It, I, resigning that's, that's, doesn't count. This is a better. It ha, if, if, he does, if the president has to go, I quit. I quit. <laughs> uh, here, what? Oh, wiki answers. Oh, I love the book of knowledge. What U.S. presidents quit being president? Okay, that's the question. Richard Milhouse Nixon was the only president to resign uh, in parentheses quit the office there you go there's your answer okay well it's always room for two (laughs) there's always another spot (laughs) in history okay Uh, yes onward onward with our executive producers well we have one executive producer by virtue of the fact that he added two dollars and two cents to a two hundred dollar donation. Thus, David Dolson in Houston, Texas, gets the, the position of executive producer. This is the best we could do on this Sunday, five twelve on five twelve on Mother's Day. Mm-hmm. Karma from last show might be working, so not going to f it up. Got a cat named Kiki, so a Doctor Kiki. It's science seems appropriate. Your show equals awesome. Shut up already. Science. <laughs> Thank you. And then David. we have two associate executive producers. Uh, hold on one second. I'm going to see if I'm not sure that Ken didn't send us. Sir Kent? Note. Yeah, I, I don't think so. Let's, let me take a quick Sir look. Sir Kent? Uh, Kent. Just type that in. I should get something. Ooh, I didn't expect that. <laughs> apparently, you have a lot of friends named Kent. No, I just don't have apparently nobody named Kent, but the thing expanded itself to it. There we go. All right. Kent O'Rourke, notification. Nope. So Kent O'Rourke, uh, Sir Kent, as a matter of fact, from Frostburg, Maryland, $200. And then finally, Kevin Matz in Calgary, Alberta, that where all the money is, 200 bucks. Thanks, John and Adam. Here's value for value contribution. Uh, no agenda episodes are the best self-radicalization tutorials in the universe. That's right. 
We work very hard on that. It's a reputation we don't need, but that's fine. <laughs> yeah, but we'll take it. And thank you to our uh, artists. Uh, thank you, Thorin, for the artwork on episode 511. Uh, fine job. NoAgendaArtGenerator.com is where you can find uh, all of that. And uh, please consider us for the Thursday show. Uh, <clears throat> this is uh, this is short. Short fact. Yeah, for 512 on 512. Mother's Day. Mother's Day. Not only is it Mother's Day, uh, which is by presidential proclamation, I'll have you know. This is no bogative holiday. Congress, by a joint resolution approved May 8th, 1914, designated the second Sunday in May each year as Mother's Day and requested the president to call for its appropriate observance. Hi. And that was done by Senator Hallmark, I believe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it is also a Peace Officers Memorial Day and Police Week. It is National Women's Health Week. It is National Defense Transportation Day and National Transportation Week. And yesterday was National Train Day, John. I can't believe All we missed board, it. All trains good, planes bad. Very sad. Very sad. What an opportunity to support the show on train day, Mother's Day, 5-12, Hello, is this thing on? We had one person remind us of the 5-12. One. Oh, well. Oh, well. That's well. all right. That's all right. Hey, if you enjoy CNN, Fox, if you enjoy Rock Center, which has been canceled, by the way. What? Rock Center. Canceled, baby. Rock Center? You mean the second version of the nightly news? Yep. Along, been canceled? Along with the new normal. Oh, the new normal was a dog. And Go On, which I kind of liked. I, kinda I never liked. heard of it. Go On, yeah, it was with uh, Matthew Perry. It was, it was a kind of a good show, kind of a, a the war never on crazy type show. And I try to catch all these things at least one episode so I can say, oh, my God, I saw that. So please think of us. And, of course, you always have to continue handing out those CDs. Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. There you go. That's right. Shut up, slave. Did you put the uh, Joe Biden president in the book? Yep. Because that, that was, to me, it was like, woo. It was very vivid. And he, and, and he was digging you know, it, he by he's going to run. You think he is? Oh, yeah. Hmm. He ran before. He's got a taste of the good life. Uh-huh. He's an egomaniac. He thinks everyone loves him, <laughs> and he'll, he'll run. He thinks the chicks dig him, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> He's got that look, that smirk of a, of a, of a, of a douchebag. <laughs> hey, baby. Hey, baby. Hey, ladies. <laughs> hey, ladies. Don't you love me? Looking at Joe Hey, why don't you come by the Oval Office? I'll see if we can fit a square peg in a round hole, baby. <laughs> Just imagine him saying that, too. Hey, the uh, Sandy Hook School is being demolished. I know. Can you make it any funnier? <laughs> so they had a big meeting. <laughs> John, that's a great laugh. That, that, ladies and gentlemen, is when John is truly entertained. <laughs> Why? Now, what tickles you when I say this? <laughs> it's just like the icing on the cake for the, for the whole thing. 
And so they, what are we going to do now? Let's tear down the school. Anyway, they can't find a bullet. They can't do anything. Where's the blood? The place was pretty secure, too, because it had an outside door with a camera on it. You had to ask to get in. Yeah, it was new. That was, yeah, it was a new school. Why are they destroying it? Oh, the memories. It's the memories. Well, yes, it's the memories. They didn't tear down that crazy Columbine. But it gets better. They're going to rebuild the new school on top of it. And it's going to be called Sandy Hook Two. <laughs> but, but it's like it, you know, if you know, if you want to, you know, if there's real memory issues, then you know, go somewhere else. But no, they just said, "Oh, we'll just tear this one down," <clears throat> and anything else that <clears throat> might be inconvenient. And so there uh, was the beginning of the last persons of interest. Uh, which is one of my favorite TV uh, dramas yeah. uh, about, you know, everybody being spied on. Yeah, yeah. And uh, <laughs> at the beginning of the show, it says, caution, some viewers, because no, because of recent events, some viewers may be disturbed by <laughs> images in this show. And, and the only real image is just that somebody's getting shot. Yeah. There's nothing else. It's not like they're shooting kids or anything. It, well, but there's a lot of very, there's actually a couple of funny gunfights, including one where it was just, Essentially, the uh, protagonist. There's a wedding with a guy holding a gun at the, aimed at the bride, saying, "Ah, you're gonna be the only one for me." He just drives up in a Ferrari, shoots the guy in the back, and takes off. I mean, it was one of the funniest things they've done on the show. You'd have to be a viewer. To, the chat room has some good ideas, sense. actually. It should be called the No Agenda School for the Deaf, Dumb, and Blind. Is uh, <laughs> God, you guys are horrible. And, but there's a, here's a report that blew me away. Do you remember? Well, I'm not going to say it. See if you remember one of our older clips. Someone made a reference to this, and you caught it. And then this report comes out, and this, of course, is about, we've been talking a lot about drills at schools. Um, of course, we had that, that drill in, I think it was Cleveland, where the cops, like, you know, no one even knew. They hadn't even told the teachers it was going to happen. And, you know, cops are shooting, you know, blanks around and scaring everybody. And so they're doing all these drills continuously because we have nothing better to do. And, of course, this is the number one threat. Oh, will somebody please think of the children? But who is the threat? Recent tragic events have made training a lot more important for local police and fire. Today, as part of a training exercise, two shooters went on a simulated rampage at the Washington State Fairgrounds in Puyallup. They pretended to be angry parents at a school. The idea was to test the abilities of police and firefighters to respond to a situation that was right out of the news headlines. Now, angry parents right out of the news headlines? Did I miss something? I haven't seen the angry parent thing. Well, Here, let me ask the, the more. See, I think that this is totally. I think this is bogus completely, because there's no way that uh, somebody's going to fake being an angry parent and do anything where because they can get shot. We've been dealing with this cross country for years. And We've been dealing with it for years. <laughs> angry parents is it's the number one problem. And, each one, unfortunately, we learn new things that we need to, to train for and develop new skills for. Pretty intense stuff. One of the newer tactics is to provide police cover for fire and rescue teams so they can get closer to victims. Oh, won't somebody please think of the children? Um, do you remember we had a... I couldn't find it offhand that the quick. victims? Oh, yeah. No, this so is, an angry parent's going to come into a school and shoot the place up. Is that what they're saying? Yes. 
Okay. But do you remember that that one woman, she was wow. talking about how she was at Sandy Hook, and she said, first I thought it might be an angry parent, and she right. corrected herself? Right. Has this ever happened? Prelude. 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 Yeah. We gotta, we're resetting. Mm-hmm. We're resetting for something else to happen so we can go in that direction, because apparently this other direction caused too much skepticism, also created a horrible uh, kind of a morose because the kids were involved, and it was at the hands of a maniac. Uh, we need angry parents so they're more I, normal people. Yes, I think this is much better because there's no better way to scare children than to make them think that their parents might actually shoot them. That's better. That's better yeah, than I think what so. <laughs> I think. I think this is much, much better. I mean, we could. Yeah, th- I think the scenario they keep. You know, if they don't <laughs> finally re- refine a perfect scenario, I, this may take years. No, I don't know. This could be coming sooner than you think. Okay, we're putting it in the book. Yeah, hold on. Adam's gonna read his email. Adam's gonna read his email. Adam's gonna read his email on the No Agenda Show. I just got. I just wanted to do two here uh, since uh, we're talking about it because uh, I I have uh, we have asked parents kids. Uh, if you're doing some kind of training in school, let us know, particularly if if your teachers tell you or your teachers are telling your kids not to tell the parents about it. And um, I have two here. One is from a producer, Kevin. Adam and John, I graduated high school two years ago. I love hearing. Don't you love hearing that? We got young young people listening to this show. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, when I was uh, in school... We'd have lockdown drills once a semester. The principal would come on the intercom and tell us we were having a lockdown drill. We'd have to turn off the lights, lock the doors, put up blackout curtains, and hide under our desks. Then people would walk through the hallways and shake the doorknobs and try to get in. They never, however, told us not to tell our parents about this. Once a year, we'd have a bomb drill. Everyone would have to go out onto the football field. Once there, we'd be divided up alphabetically and have to check in with the teachers. Once we were checked in, we'd be given a big orange sticker, which would be put on the left side of our chest around where the heart is. After that, we'd go sit on the bleachers until the drill was over. Seems to never considered someone might put a bomb under the bleachers and kill us all. Forget that. How about this big orange? Why didn't they do a yellow star? That would have been funnier. Put a big yellow star on your chest. I never had that when I was a kid. We had Captain Dan, the traffic guy, land on the football field once. That was like the only time the school would go out. And then, no, this is again bringing us back to the fifties. They're trying to uh, intimidate yeah, the children of the country, so they're all cowering in fear, and they duck want and the cover. government to protect them. Yes. And then this one from uh, producer Christopher. I was concerned. Uh, oh, hold on a sec. Did I? Oh, did I lose something here? Oh, hold on a second. Oh, crap. Oh, this was such a good note, and somehow I lost some of it in my notes. Hold on a second. Uh, play a little ditty while I look for this, John. Oh, uh, let's see. What do I have here? Just play a little ditty. I'll find I'll play, it. I'll play a lament. <laughs> in the morning, sir. I'm a monthly donor, and I'm just listening to the latest episode of... A little, a little soft. A little softer. A little soft. A little softer. In the morning, sir. I'm a monthly donor, and I'm just listening to the latest episode of the best podcast in the universe. You asked for dads to email in and mention their stories, so here is ours. It's from Christopher. A few months ago, 
Oh, my, my seven-year-old daughter is a second grader in the largest school district in New Jersey, that being Manalapan. A few months ago, when you broached the subject, I went ahead and asked her if they had any kinds of drills in school. She replied, nothing recent, but that they had had a safety drill a few weeks ago. So I asked her to let me know when they had another one. See, already interesting, the kid didn't tell her dad. All right, like, I mean, that would be kind of, hey, we had a kind of an interesting thing happen today at school. So I asked her to let me know when they had another one. Several weeks later, she came home and told me they had had another one. I asked her what it entailed. To this, she explained that they all have to run behind the teacher and get locked in a secret room until the all clear is sounded. Cops are always part of the drill. She then tells me that if they don't comply with the administration, the administration will know because of the secret window they have into each of the classrooms. I made an offhanded comment about it probably being a camera and that I didn't think it was right for them to scare the kids like that. I was concerned when she relayed the party line to me for a defense. Bad people are out there and want to hurt us. There's nothing wrong with practicing to hide from those people. Needless to say, I have a lot of work ahead of me. What's worse was weeks later, some moron kid in the middle school tweeted a lame-ass threat and the whole district was placed on lockdown. When I went to pick up my daughter... (laughs) From aftercare, the talk was like someone was shot. The horror that had taken place was just somewhat shameless. Not to mention the phony bomb threat called in the day after the false flag in Boston. Hope you find this interesting enough to read it on the air. Yeah, I think that's very interesting. Secret window. All right, children, get in the secret room. You're and being you, watched at all times. If you don't children. do it, the secret window will know. We you know, see the thing you. is that that Twitter, the kid who did the tweet, is I think part of a bigger trend, mm-hmm. which I think is the is kind of the the, I guess the the rebellion against this, which is yeah, I think somewhat sensible. But it reminds me of what's going on. I have the clip. Play the the swatting clip, and I want to talk about that for a second. Okay. Good morning, everybody. Hollywood, not the only place being victimized by celebrity swatters. It is now being reported that cops swarmed Anderson Cooper's house in the Hamptons last month after pranksters said there was a shooting there. Cooper was not home at the time, and this is not and this is the first swatting we've heard of in our area, but more than a dozen celebs have been swatted in LA in recent months, including Justin Timberlake and Selena Gomez. It costs money, it takes resources from where they need to be, please. And uh, Brolf also got swatted. They, they forgot to put him in the list. Did he? Yeah. <laughs> well, this is like, there's two things about this. One, it's, this is the rebellion. This is kids doing this, obviously, yeah. some jokers. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's the new version of prank phone call. Yeah, and, but the thing is, so if there's a shoot, any reported shooting now, are you telling me that it always brings out SWAT, special weapons and tactics? Yes. Aren't these for like, you know, major kidnappings or bank uh, uh, hostage situations or something like that? Not a, you know, one guy fires a gun. I mean, can't you just send two well, or three cops over uh, there? You have to send the SWAT team. Hold on. These are celebrities, John. Yeah, I guess the better there's better chance of the celebrities actually getting shot dead by one of these SWAT guys. So no, I guess they, that might be a plus. But the celebrities are important. We need to protect Anderson Pooper. SWAT. <laughs> SWAT. This is going to get worse before it gets better. Yeah. I encourage this. This is this is the kind of anarchy that is actually very good. I'm all for it. We don't have this problem here in uh, in Austin. 
I do not. Let me see if there's been a swatting in Austin before I get all. So that's not true, man. Austin sucks, dude. Austin ain't all that great, you know that bitch. Me, 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 me. Austin swatting. Let me see. Yeah, you know it's gonna happen. Let me see. Ryan Seacrest was swatted. That's kind of cool, but he wasn't in Austin. Uh, Austin swatting a SpongeBob pinata. That's about the, that's about the extent <laughs> of the swatting we get in Austin. Selena Gomez. No. Uh, so uh, not according to the uh, a quick book of knowledge. Oh wait, oh wait. Here's one. July third, Austin, Texas. Hold on. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, Democratic operative and self-proclaimed hacker Neil Rauhauser. Good name. Has accused Brandon Darby of swatting. Darby is a political activist and former FBI operative. Uh, so what happened here? Mm-hmm. Doesn't say so. No, 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 no. Doesn't look like this happened in Austin. Yeah. Well, you know why? It will. <laughs> no. We don't have this problem here. How many times I have to tell you? Because everyone's armed. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a problem. Oh, uh, we had Mickey's um, a brother here and his and his wife for a couple of days. They're, yeah. on, they're on the way to the airport. And uh, it's always fun, you know, with, especially with Dutch people when you kind of get into the gun thing. <laughs> and it's interesting how how the um, how you know the European psyche has been uh, um, already programmed by the news. Oh yeah. Well, you know, but you know, you guys got a lot more crazies here. So, oh yeah, that's it. That's right. Now we get to know no one crazy in Europe, no one crazy <laughs> in Norway, or oh gee, Holland. When the guy shot up the the, the shopping center, no one crazy there. Of course, the Dutch also don't know that all their banks have been nationalized. What? Really? What? What? <laughs> they didn't know? <laughs> no, no, he did. not know anything. No, he, it's he terrible. Did. He did. He knew. He knew. He knew. He actually turned me on to something very cool. Because um, I, you know, we were talking about, what was, I was talking about uh, Kickstarter. And um, uh, and I said, you know, and he hadn't heard of Kickstarter, but I said, oh, you know, this is really cool. Uh, lamp. Have you seen this, John? The LED lamp that uh, you can control with your smartphone. You can make it any color you want. It was a Kickstarter project. They wanted a hundred grand. They raised one point three million. And he's from Holland. He's going like, oh, Philips has had that for years. You can buy it in the in the Apple app in the Apple Store. <laughs> what? <laughs> but the, what he turned me on to was this thing called LiFi. Have you heard of this LiFi? No. So LiFi. Um, and there's a whole consortium. I've been Googling on this, and this is like, wow, this is totally an Atom project. So you can you have LED lighting, and you can have it anywhere. And you, know, you can have it on the street. You can have it in the, your home. You know, any, any LED lighting can be anywhere. But be, uh, because it's LED, you can um, turn it on in very, very – turn it on and off in very fast succession. So you don't even notice that it's flickering. But with your smartphone, your smartphone's camera – can detect the flickering and can receive the messages, and it's it can it can receive a communication from the LED flickering of the lighting, and it's this is, this is reminiscent of remember that that Microsoft uh, wristwatch, yeah, how you, you would pro, you would program it was used a Timex a CRT and that you wasn't that a Timex you'd hold the wristwatch up to yeah, the yeah, yeah, monitor yeah. uh huh, and then it would flash at the at the thing and it would load it with the data. Right. So now, so the idea is, and it's kind of cool because it's, there's no intercepting of it. You know, it's like you, if you intercept it, then the person doesn't receive it because you're blocking the light. 
Yeah. Um, so you can hold your, your phone in your hand. The front-facing camera receives the flickering light, and it can be micro. It can be like a, a square foot that this you know that, that you can get a certain message. Work and you know walk three feet further, and you get a different message. Now I'm seeing the of course is like wow Morse code. You know I'm, I'm already all over the map with this thing. Well, they, apparently Fraunhofer's already gotten up to three gigabits per second communication. It's, it's light, yeah, trick. yeah, it's light. So it's it's See, the, the thing. You know, one of the, the problem is it seems to me. I mean, I understand what they're trying to do. And of course, they'll have the whole neighborhood flashing like that, or just have it in any place other than where it's supposed to go. It may cause epilepsy. Epilepsy. Yes. <laughs> some guy walk right into a front of a bus and have an epileptic fit. Yeah, yeah. And what's your problem? <laughs> yeah, that's my problem. Yeah, but I don't know. Just I, I, I like these kinds of things. There's something about the alternative forms of communication that doesn't include. Some central entity that is going to protect our freedoms that it turns me on. Yeah, well, good luck with that thinking. Well, if you end up you. run by PG and E or one of the light, you know, and the message will always be the same: stay in place, <laughs> stay in your house, resume normal activity. <laughs> yeah, resume normal activity. The new Superman movie is out. Man of Steel. And uh, this is uh, this is just shameless, shameless what they have done. I guess the uh, armed forces, Pentagon or Department of Defense paid for the movie. Uh, complete tie. This was. Um, oh, let me thank him before he gets all pissed off about it. What's your blogger guy name from Dvorak dot org slash na? Gasparini. Yes, Gasparini. Sergio. Thank you, Sergio. You rock. Okay. He's, he's he found this and sent it to us before the movie came out. This is the commercial that plays in the theater before you see the movie Man of Steel, and it's intercut between, well, you'll hear what it is, and the movie. They are in your community, perhaps in this very theater. Seemingly ordinary people who know the uniform they wear makes an extraordinary difference. People who always answer the call for help. Revealing who they truly are. Capable of extraordinary feats. Are the citizen soldiers of the National Guard. Learn how one American icon inspires another at soldierofsteel.com. So that was clearly mixed for the cinema. Uh, yeah, Man of Steel, Soldier of Steel. Yeah, but, but you know, but soldierofsteel.com, you know, the citizen soldiers of the National Guard. We cannot continue to rely only on our military in order to achieve the national security objectives that we've set. We've got to have a civilian national security force that's just as powerful, just as strong, just as well-funded. That sounds like the same word to me. Civilian soldiers. Of steel. <laughs> I'm sorry. Of steel. Yeah, soldiers of steel. Do you think it's a little bit of propaganda? I haven't seen the movie, but do you think there could be anything there that's a little askew? Uh, lots. Oh, yeah. 
Hey, I got a couple of interesting clips. Oh, well, that's nice because... So, you know, you always like to, at the beginning... People who get to listen to the pre-roll or the pre-roll. It's not pre-roll. It's the prelude pre, to the pre-stream. show. Pre-stream. This pre-stream of the stream. Uh, when, they, when the fat lady sings the uh, Valkyrie's <laughs> tune yes. from Dick uh, Wagner... Yes. Uh, you say Sanco de Mayo. Which is what... We just had recently had a Sanco de Mayo. Yeah, which is what and, she's singing, by the way. She's singing Cinco de Mayo. And it's assumed that everyone that listens to the show either knows what Cinco de Mayo is or whatever. There's a, sh- there's a uh, show called Eggheads or Brainiacs or something. I think it's Eggheads on the BBC. And they have these... Uh, these geniuses on one side and then people challenging them. And generally speaking, if you ever, if anyone visits the UK much years ago, this is not true anymore. I think it's kind of interesting, but years ago, you, I remember like in the eighties or you'd watch the television and they'd have these game shows and they'd be asking these strange questions. Like in 1786, which prince married, which Belgian monarch? And these guys would answer the question, and they'd have these really. Com- now it's it's been the public has been dumbed down so much. Here's- that was uh, Prince Leonard of Belgium. <laughs> so here was here was the uh, Sanco de Mayo. Uh, somebody asked the question. <laughs> oh uh, God, what is Sanco de Mayo? What is Sanco de Mayo? Which you'd think in England they might have a clue. The Cinco de Mayo is a holiday celebrating an 1862 military victory over the French in which country? Is it Portugal, Mexico, or Spain? <laughs> Cinco de Mayo is a holiday celebrating an 1862 military victory over the French in which country? Hmm. Hmm. Well, Cinco de Mayo is hmm. Spanish, isn't it? It's Spanish or Portuguese. Yes. Or Portuguese. Uh, I think it's... Greece. We're going to force this French in... Russia? Spain, Russia? In Portugal, would we? No, I don't think they did. Or Mexico. Let's go for Spain, do you think? I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure at all, to be honest. Um, is it Spain or is it or Portugal? By the, those guys could totally take over this show. <laughs> it sounds like you and I. It's like, hmm, I, don't know. I don't know. What do you think? Spain, Portugal? I don't know. Maybe Greece. I mean, are you sure? This and is by the way, they've also made this a three-part, you know, so they gave you the answer. <laughs> Let's listen again. I can't. I can't it's, it's not my... Will we chase the Spanish into Portugal? I don't know. Um, Cinco de Mayo. <laughs> oh, with Spain. Cinco, well, it, Cinco. It, it, Cinco de Mayo sounds Spanish, so it could be Spain or Mexico. Or yeah. Portuguese. Because uh, of a wild one, uh, possibly Mexico. Because <laughs> yeah, the French were in the southern states of America. Yes, it's, so it's a possibility. It's a possibility. Let's go wild in Mexico. <laughs> well, we don't know. Is it- we need this music when we do that. By the way, when, when we're discussing something, we need yeah, that. Yeah, we need some background we need, music because everything's got background music. Now I'm watching these these shows that you don't have to run anymore. That I want to hear. I want to. No, I want to hear the end. Now you've got me hooked. Hello. You'll probably guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we're gonna have a complete guess at Mexico. What a change of mind that was. Spain, Portugal, Portugal, Spain, <laughs> Mexico wasn't on the list, and suddenly Chaz says, let's go wild and get the right answer. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Wow. Wow, that was just really now, a minute and a half of my British life. This is the public that I remember from in this 80s when they seemed intelligent. <laughs> no. It, by the way, the whole show is like this. They don't know anything. It's amazing. Uh, what? Um, I wonder. Maybe this will be the. Let me see. 
what do you think, Adam? That's pretty good, right? Yeah, I know. Keep playing. We'll yes. talk over there. What do you think? Okay. It's Mexico or um, Spain? I don't know. You know, in, in Portuguese, isn't that like Spanish, only backwards? It's a little bit like it, but it sounds different when they speak it. <laughs> Although it has, a, it has a certain ring to it, but I don't think Sanko is much. Um, no, it could also be... Wow, I mean, I haven't I'm really... Guam. I, I'm yes, guessing Guam. Yes. Gu- <laughs> I know it's not on the list, but that may be a trick question. Is Sanko, is that really Spanish, or is that uh, a, a, a dialect of French? What do you yeah, think? I, just, I think the music builds too much. you got to stay with that, the beginning of the sequence. This one. And, and loop it. you got to loop the beginning loop that. of the sequence. Yeah. Uh, someone will do that for us. Yeah, this right here, yeah, yeah the uh, beginning some, part. Someone, it's the weakest link is what we need. That's the one. That's pretty good. We just uh, we just need need that part. That's good. I like that piece. Yeah, I think this will improve the show. <laughs> I think <laughs> donations are up. <laughs> That's right. All these all these news shows, with very rare exception, they have they're playing music underneath. Yeah. The, they got the, all the, kinds the, of effects the, and the stuff. Voiceover. Yeah. No, we're not. We're not. It's do- not shooting stuff. Boom boom. You know. <laughs> we are not doing we have it to right. Up a few more of these these clips from now. We're on. not. We're not doing it right. That's obvious. Yeah. Yeah. Play the love clip just out of the blue. Okay. Love. It's the most powerful thing on the planet. I totally agree. That's it. There you go. That you know, is... It was Mother's Day today and we got uh, no love. Uh, <laughs> we, we seriously got no... Not only do we, do we get no love, we don't even have moms anymore. How sad are we? Yeah, what happened? Uh, we, we don't have. I thought you mean we don't have moms listening. No, we don't have moms. Our moms. Yeah, I mean, we have them, but they're floating around. You know, laughing. Well, they're apparently <laughs> not helping us get any donations. <laughs> they're like, ha ha ha! They're sitting up there on a cloud. Those boys need to get work. <laughs> I told them he should stay in college. What was the point of this podcast nonsense? <laughs> what was your mom's name? Phyllis. <laughs> Phyllis and Valerie. Val. Yes, Phil. Val and Phil. Val and Phil. <laughs> and Phil is like, I remember when the steam engine first came around. So I'm listening to Australian TV, and they have a, they're having a, like a slight depression. I guess the whole world is, but nobody wants to talk about it. Oh, no. Uh, why, why do that? And so their solution is, is, is this more women in the workplace clip. Uh, me, hold on. I don't have that. Oh, yes, I do. I'm sorry. Yes. Set up, or are we good to go? I'll, I'll do, the, I'll do a, a after setup. Okay. More women to go into the, into the workforce. If you look at the, the Grattan research and the research of others... The two most important productivity improvements we can we can implement as a government, if we get that privilege, yeah. is to get more seniors to stay in the workforce and to get more women to go into or stay in the workforce. Okay, what? well, hold on. All right, John. This is ludicrous. <laughs> we, you know, in other words, don't let any of these kids get work ever. Keep everybody in the workplace and have it work them to death, work the women to death, work the old folks to death. And this is going to be a great productivity deal. I just wait, wait, wait. You, you got you to play the music when I'm doing the beds. This is where you talk. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry, it's not. The weird. Australians are crazy. <laughs> so more mom, more women in the workplace, and more seniors. In fact, I'm seeing a lot of seniors now at McDonald's. And they're not just eating. Would you like mean, fries? Or? Would you like fries with that? <laughs> well, they got a good meal plan. But that's, anyway. 
It's a little pet peeve of mine. Um, uh, but um, let me just say something about that because America, um, we've always had seniors in restaurants and certainly diners, Walmart, fast food. Well, I, I don't go out. I, I can't go to Walmart. Um, but part of that I've always felt <clears throat> was also because seniors want to stay relevant and be active. And I've, I used to talk to old folk. And they'd be like, yeah, no. it's like, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm on fixed income and this is, this is extra, but I like being around young people who are also in the store and like, you know, being around people and interacting with people and helping people. In fact, the, the old people in the store, yeah, okay, may take maybe a little slower, but they are going to actually help you, I find. Like they care. Yeah, they want some, yeah, as opposed to the kids. No, they don't give a crap. No. Although not at uh, Home Depot. Wow, whatever program they got at Home Depot, I'm all for it. I think it's just that store because that, that's not everybody's yeah. experiment. No, it, experience. It, <laughs> no, it is Home Depot. I'm saying it, this is exactly what I'm saying. Home Depot is doing something with their with their young employees that I'm all for. I think it's fantastic. I, I don't. I'm not. I'm like I'm saying. I'll say it again. We don't see that at our Home Depots hmm. at all. No. Hmm. Hmm. Well, our Home Depots rock. Okay, well, that's good for now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't hey, I, I ran into a weird anecdote. I want to ask you about this. They had uh, uh, Diane Sawyer. Oh, drunk? She, uh, drunk? No, no. No, not drunk. I haven't seen her drunk for a while. Um, she was interviewing uh, Foxy Noxie, that woman that was the murderess in Italy. Got Which I really somehow. don't. I really don't know the story at all. But okay. no, you don't need to know the story. Thank goodness. But she's they're, they're discussing something, and then they, she brings up a point at the end of this little back and forth, which is very sh- short. Uh, but right at the end, she brings up something, and I'm going to ask you. This is kind of like an ask Adam if you've ever heard of this, or if you even do it. The idea that was introduced was that there was at the very least some estrangement there and uh, over bathroom hygiene, over the, maybe it's a cultural difference, but the openness of the, of condoms, the openness of, of the vibrator. (laughs) (laughs) Hold on, I'm just going to stop and enjoy that for a moment. (laughs) Diane Sawyer saying, the openness of the vibrator. <laughs> oh, Diane, you dirty, dirty bitch. Did I just hear a bird? No. Hmm. She was objecting to these things. So it was hurtful to you that it annoyed you. Actually, so this is one of the more strange things that happened was that no one ever confronted me, no one, about the things that I kept in the bathroom. Um, or what, like what friends I had that, that had, that was never discussed while we were living together. Um, the one time that she ever confronted me about something was she was very embarrassed and nice about it. And I was very embarrassed and like awkwardly laughing about it afterwards. And that was when like discussing that after you flush the toilet, you have to use the brush, which was not something that I was used to. And that was fairly early on. This was not something that happened afterwards. And it was fine. We didn't have an estrangement. And we didn't argue about anything. This is a very, very good interview. 
I, I, I shall need. You this. thought so because of the vibrator joke. <laughs> There's a whole so, bunch of stuff in here I'm liking. Well, so here's the question. Now I've never heard of this, but I can imagine it's as a cultural thing. You take a crap or a pee, for that matter. Yeah. You flush the toilet and you bring the brush out, and you, if there's any residual anything, you scratch it, scratch away at it. Yeah. Or, or if there's not, I mean, I'm assuming that this woman probably ate too many too much shellfish, and there was a mess in there. But who, that's another story. <laughs> what? What? Whatever the case. <laughs> Wait, let me just write that down. Avoid shellfish when having sleepovers. <laughs> so, so apparently, so this was the that was the house requirement. And now, is that a, is that you ever done that? Is that anything you've ever heard of culturally out of Europe? Does Willow do it in Italy? Is it some Italian thing? I've never heard of this kind of uh, hi, hyper uh, toilet cleaning. Um, yes, and in so fa- every time you take a crap, you go you 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 clean the toilet. Yes. Huh. Yes, we have a brush next to every toilet. It no, is... we have a brush next to the toilet, but we don't well, what, find it necessary. Well what, do you, well, what do you do? Do you rub it over your head? No, you clean the toilet <laughs> yeah. once in a while if you take it, it needs it. John, okay, hold on. Hold on a second. So you're telling me. Now, now you basically live alone. So you know, No, I got a bunch of people here, and nobody does who's this. The, what do you mean a bunch of people? Wait, so you all just. I got just, JC's okay. here. My daughter's oh, okay. down here now. All right, all right, all right. I got it. So you take a massive crap from your shellfish dinner that you cooked. It is all like, you know, we call them uh, remspore. So there's uh, uh, tire skid marks uh, all over the toilet bowl. And you and you, so you flush. You go like, huh, good work. And then you, <laughs> and then you leave. What cheap-ass toilets do you use? And, it's and a then good you leave? piece of porcelain ah, from France. Ah, nothing sticks to ah, it. Oh, hold on a second. Ah, this is very important. This is something you may not know. The toilets in um, a lot, in, well, in the Netherlands for sure, but for many, many years in most of Europe had a shelf on it. You would actually poop on a shelf. I've studied this. And that was so that... The poop on the shelf toilets were only in Germany and Holland, as far as I know. They weren't in France ever. Okay, so... uh, uh, French toilets, by the way, we have French toilets in this house, have an amazing... They just... It's like an explosion when you hit the flush button. It's a button. Boom. (laughs) Boom! It blows off everything. (laughs) Can you give me a brand name? Well, Porsche was one of them, but they got bought by Kohler, I think. Right. And then there's a couple of brands right. that they don't get over here. But Porsche is the French toilet of choice. So, now, I personally am a fan of the Flushmate 2000. Are you familiar with this device? Is this the one that that washes your butt? No. no I, oh, man, I had one of those toilets in Amsterdam. It had it would shoot warm water up into your butt. <laughs> he preheated, and then and then it would it would blow dry. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, so this is the toilet I had. So first of all, I had a urinal. This is when I had money. Sound effect. I had a urinal. Was there a sink in the bathroom? Yes. Then what did you need a urinal for? (laughs) Well, no, I had a separate... Separate uh, two bathrooms. One with a sink and a urinal. And then one... That was a joke. I'm trying to... Yeah, I know. (laughs) So this toilet, you would sit on it, and the minute you sat on the the seat, immediately... There was a, uh, 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 it was sucking air down. So any odors would immediately be taken away. So, then you do your business and you had, then you. I like the sound effect. It was very subtle. It was very nice. Because women would sit on it for the first time and go, ooh. They have to warn them. <laughs> to, when you sit down, don't be afraid because you're just going to have this. Apparently, it's a little different sensation. 
And then and then when you were done, you would you know, hit the button, and then the, seriously, there would a mechanical um, thing would come out of the toilet. A thing. Yeah, like a like a tube, uh, a copper tube would come out, rotate up, and then pfft, would spray a mist. <laughs> yeah, but a good one, like. Pfft, they and have then these toilets followed, in followed by. And as long as you were sitting there, it would just dry your butt, and then you'd get up, and you'd be done. And now, uh, back to... You didn't to, even have to wipe? It was that good? Oh, yeah. No, well, the wiping is really bad. I mean, and and in most cultures don't wipe with the crazy paper crap that we do. They use water. You don't know how to use the shells? Shells? <laughs> Very obscure joke. People who have seen Total Recall will understand. Um, uh, but so, so, but it, re- it remains. You, if you take a dump and there's residue, you don't clean it. You just like whatever. Let the kids look at it. When the next person goes to pee, you know you can you can try and pee it off. Is that how you think? Is that how your household is run? Because not ours, man. Don't come to my house and poop in my toilet and not use the brush. I will call your ass out. Noted. So, uh, <laughs> but is that is that? Well, you asked me. Yeah, I did. I've got, I've got, I got a very good answer. I got but a I'm long asking, explanation. But, right, now but, we need to separate the two types of people that listen to the show: the ones who follow the rigidity of the Italians, as Amanda Knox uh, pointed yes. out, and and the, and the ones Dutch. who are more lazy. Yeah, well, d- no, not lazy, just disgusting. <laughs> no, it's that's rude. It's just rude. It's just rude. Okay, if you say so. I've been to plenty of bathrooms that don't have a brush. What are you supposed to do then? Lick it off? No. If you- Ask for the brush? Hey, where's your brush in here? <laughs> yeah. Or take a piece of toilet paper and do it for them. I don't think so. <laughs> Okay, uh, I'm just saying. No wonder you dropped I'm going to show my by donating. What? No wonder what? No wonder that you were nonplussed every time you dropped your iPhone into the can, which you've done a couple of times. Once. And oh, well. Once. Oh, that was twice. No, once. Only once. It, it was. The, I was the only person in all of Europe to have one. It was unfortunate that I did it, but it was only once. Could have sold that baby. <laughs> I still have it somewhere. All right, question answered. Noted. John C. Dvorak, what do you do after you take a nice shellfish shit at your friend's house and they don't have a brush? This is to tell the truth. Okay, you're supposed to answer. I, uh, I scream for where's the brush. <laughs> okay. I'm going to show my support by donating to No Agenda. Imagine all the people who could do that. Oh, yeah, that'd be fab. Yeah, on No Agenda in the morning. Well, now I know why I'm never invited over to your house. You were invited once, but you didn't use the brush. <laughs> that Patrick was... Turner, we want to thank, in Austin, Texas. He's right down the street from you. Did you send us a note? Did he? I don't know. Did he? Why? Well, well in for one hundred and eleven dollars. Let's see who's in charge. Like our of top the, guy. Who's in charge of the notes? 
I am. Jennifer Loveberg in San Marcos, California, $103. The amount is fifty one fifty times two. Okay, that's really nice. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it is. Yeah. I listen with my 16-year-old son who turned me on to the show while we drive to school. Hey. There you go. Yeah, right on. Perfect. Thanks for keeping us sane. The money would have gone to NPR, but after their disgusting <laughs> reporting of the Boston bombing, the money's going to you guys. Excellent. Thank you. That's how it's supposed to be. Can I get a karma and two to the head? Yeah, absolutely. You've got karma. You got it. Benjamin Salen in Wilmington, Delaware. You guys have changed the lives of my wife's 100 bucks, and I a douchebag. He wants a douchebag to Ron E. Douchebag! And whoever else is in the ambulance with me right now being subjected to this. So can I? <laughs> Wait, is that e- e- EMT? I guess. <laughs> Excellent. Hey, hey, Haldol. Whoever it is, give him Haldol and then take a video. All right, now we got some, uh, we got our 69-69 segment. 69-69, dudes! Uh, Blake Buss in Santa Rosa, we got his, I believe we has, have his dad on the happy birthday list. Uh, 69-69, he's uh, wishing him a happy 59th. One more year to go. Mm-hmm. Janie Cochran in Wichita, Kansas, 69-69, a Mother's Day gift to herself. Aww. Yeah, where's the boys in this? Katherine Anderson in South, someplace or others, New South Wales, Australia, 6969. Um, it's been a douchebag for too long, just barely getting by, but now it's time to start paying my way. There's some hope the world for the world while you guys uh, do the, because you guys do the show. Uh, and wants to say um, Gitmo Nation down under, a.k.a. Gitmo Nation Carbon Tax. Oh, that's true. Yeah, they're full on. Matthew J. Stevens North, Ricklar, Texas. Where's that? Or Richard, there's maybe something else. Let me stretch this. Richard. North Richland. Do you know that... that, uh, The home of Richland Oil. We have an election. Uh, Rick Perry uh, will be challenged by Kay Bailey Hutchinson. Oh, God. Can you imagine if... I mean, mean, what kind of choice is that? That's like just like douchebag one and douchebag two. It's like having the poop in the toilet bowl and and a poopy brush. It's like it's just like you can't win that one. Patrick Seuss in Windsor, Victoria, sixty nine, sixty nine. That kills the uh, sixty nine, sixty nine, dude. Kills that kills the canary. David Cardinia in Evergreen, Colorado, sixty six, sixty six. That's kind of cool what he said here. Three weeks ago, a total stranger walked up me and said, "Para mañana." <laughs> I did. Later in the day, a recruiter called. I just got the new job. Thanks for the pre-karma. That's pretty cool. Uh, Daniel Vasquez in Cardiff, California, fifty-five, fifty-five, uh, makes his commute better. Good. And I can't find my little pointer on my. There it is. Uh, <laughs> it's at the end of your Superior, Colorado, fifty. <laughs> Sir Paul Vela, Milton Keynes, Buckinghamshire, fifty. Falco Richter in Berlin. Uh, something aus Berlin. Hope this helps after the Google disaster. Schöne, schöne Grüße aus Berlin. Uh, and, and Heather Simpkin and Henley on Thames in Oxfordshire. Love, Heather. Mm, thank you. As Sukovsky, Sukov, Sukovy, Alexander in Moscow, uh, 50. And finally, Mac Harbor, LLC in Sheboygan. Michigan, 50. This is very interesting. It's actually, it's advantageous to donate on a slow day because then you have a high likelihood of your note being read. 
Yeah, you got a better likelihood, and if you and you get get executive producer for two hundred and two dollars yeah. instead of three thirty three or up and two cents. Yeah. yeah, it was not good. No, but we we had enough subscribers at least to make it even. Uh, I got a note from uh, Black Knight George from Bouncing Bouncing Hill. What do you say here? Um, oh, he says that he is almost at a double knighthood, which means baronet. But he says, "I do not want to be called a baronet." Nobody does. He said, <laughs> what did he say? Please don't. Give I think me I'm the, just going to kill it. He said, "Please don't give me the stupid title as baronet when I reach two K. We must think of something better. Black baronet will unleash hell, and I will not be able to walk straight when I leave the Dutch Supper Club." Okay. Okay. Let's take a look at the peerage. Uh, page on the wikipedia hmm. baron there may be a substitute for no, this but baronet is it is the correct title it is the yeah, one no that... i know that but there may be a, a parallel in russia for example mm. oh a czar could we have a czar of some sort okay so this really sucked thank you very much those of you who did support the show everybody else be ashamed of yourselves org slash n seriously you should be kind of ashamed Birthdays today. Uh, Blake Bus says happy birthday to his dad. Turns fifty nine on the twelfth. And the latecomer Sir Andrew Gardner said, "Oh, please, please, if you get this in time, uh, say happy birthday to my smoking hot girlfriend Stephanie." Now, of course, uh, Sir Andrew Gardner is our No Agenda Racing team, and you know he's had uh, he had kind of a downer day last weekend, so we're happy to do that. He also, by the way, sent a picture of his girlfriend Stephanie. I concur. Happy birthday from your buddies here. At the best podcast in the universe. No nights, no titles, no nothing. Thank you. Great. Good work. Good work. However, did you find it? Did you find what you were looking I'm for? Looking. Hmm. I'm getting, you know, the, the, the Google's not working like it used to, I have to say. Uh, well, while the you're traditional doing... abbreviation, Bart. Be a Bart. A Bart. Baronetess for the woman. Now entering second half of show. Well, I have something. We haven't really had a. Uh, a, cr- a crack on second half of show, but um, I got something really good that I'm 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 pretty. I think this is pretty awesome. So there's this guy who worked at the CIA um, uh, uh, for many many years. He is dying. Uh, he has, uh, I think, he has emphysema, and he 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 has an operation coming. He may live, but he he's pretty much not. They're certainly not expecting to live after what he has gone on record saying. He has done a uh, an interview, uh, and you can find it on YouTube. Uh, and so we have it in the, in the show notes, of course, five one two dot dot com uh, or now dot dot com. So you can always get the latest. And um, he talks about um, Area fifty one, uh, which he saw and witnessed and was given a tour of. But um, more importantly, he talks about the president at the time who um, was so angry that Roswell and Area 59, uh, the, the, the Area 59, Area 51 um, uh, commanders would not really let, would not tell him what he had, would not let anyone on base. Um, and here is our uh, formerly anonymous, really whistleblower from the CIA uh, now talking about uh, his experience and what the president asked him to do. Yes. They called us in, went into the Oval Office, and 
President Eisenhower was there in Nixon, and they said, uh, we called the people in from MJ-12, from Area 51 and S-4, but uh, they told us that the government had no jurisdiction over what they were doing. So being a general, past general, you didn't tell them to go to hell without any real good reason, you know? Mm -hmm. So he said, uh, I want you and your boss to fly out there. I want you to give them a personal message. He says, I want you to tell them, whoever is in charge, tell them that to get in, they have this week, coming week, to get into Washington and to report to me. And if they don't, I'm going to get the first army from Colorado and we're going to go over, we're going to take the base over. I don't care what kind of classified material you got. We're going to rip this thing apart. Eisenhower was going to invade yes, Area 51. Yeah, with the first army. So uh, the guy has my attention with uh, with this, and uh, I'm pretty confident he's legit. I don't know if his story is true, but I'm you know me, I'm very prone to believe. It's a good this. story. So would you like to hear his uh, little story about what he saw at Area 51? No, nah, I think we got other things. I got a couple of clips from Extra and the <laughs> OMG show. Shut up! Here we go. Yes. You fly out. You land, what happens? Can you describe this whole process, what you saw? It took us the 13 or 15 miles south to S4. And like different garage door openings. Okay. And in these garage door openings, they had like different saucer crafts. The very first one had uh, the... Uh, Roswell craft and it was kind of crashed up but apparently every alien that was in it died except for a couple so you see the Roswell craft and what are some of the others that you see well the Roswell craft was really strange because it looked like real heavy aluminum foil <laughs> we could rock next to it and you could rock it. The whole thing probably weighed 150, 300 pounds. Could they tell what the source of power was of this craft? Yeah, it was a like a reverse gravitational thing of some kind. In fact, one later on, I got I got the the. Uh, mathematical code for recursing gravity in a 3 by 5 card. <laughs> what do you think? Well, here we go again. As soon as the anti-gravity thing comes up, my antennas go up because every other guy has got this formula. I want the formula. see nothing. I want the index card. It's on a 3 by 5 I mean, Yeah, I guess it must be a very short formula. Well, it's like E equals MC squared. It's not a big, massive formula. It's very simple. You know what's so upsetting to me is we're now in our sixth year of this program, 
And whereas you have, and if you people, I encourage you go back listen to the first couple of episodes. You'll hear that John was like, "Ah, New World Order bullcrap. Ah, this is that. Ah, that's not Curry. You're crazy. Oh, what are you talking about?" So you've really way come over to my side on a lot of this. No, stuff. I haven't. Big time. But, I'm nothing. Oh, oh, what? You used I can't to be nuts. <laughs> I didn't know. You had a car that got. You know, gas mileage from water, and you had, yes. you were going to meet an alien who never showed up. I mean, come on. Yeah, but here's the thing: on the alien stuff, I'm really I can't I can't believe it anymore. I mean, I just this, so there's a couple things. The thing I didn't play in this, his he was on the the Blue Book team, so I was like, okay, that's already code for like Project Blue Beam, uh, and he he mentions in this briefly the alien autopsy. Like that was his that that was what the CIA was watching. Like nah, and, and you know, like okay, that this now I think it's bullcrap. But it's very well done. It's well, just imagine yourself. You you know, you're a CIA guy. You're on your deathbed, <laughs> and you you think, well, you know, I've never really played a really great gag. <laughs> Wait a minute, I could swat Brolf Blitzer, or <laughs> or. I know what I'll do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, good point. Good point. So, but I'm disappointed because I can't get excited about it anymore. I mean, I you know, you know me. I'm I'm totally into you know, the the idea that there's an energy that uh, that has been withheld from us and you know, I look at a lot of the work that Tesla did and think about, you know, the, why did they have to go burn all his books and his research and what what, what why? You know, it's kind of, in a way, um, there are so many questions that are unanswered that, you know, I'm going to die searching for that. Well, they burned all that Wilhelm Reich stuff, too, you know. Yeah. Orgone energy Orgone guy. energy, yeah. Well, that's because it was basically, he was doing porn. Well, yeah. No, he, he used to actually, I, I have a, a, a couple of his publications that were saved because there was a lot of it got out. Wait a minute, like a real, like a it, real he was, document? He the, his real thing that he was concerned about, well, he believed that aliens had, had taken had already invaded, mm-hmm. and they started, but they have, they're in a different time frame, and they started a process called desertification. Mm. And desertification is the idea that you could turn the whole planet into one giant desert, get right. rid of all these humans, and right. then you could do, I don't know, hydroponics. And you start over sand, again. I'm yeah. not sure. Yeah, you start over again. There was no uh, reason for it. But but he, the one thing he points out, and I do see this once in a while, every time I see it, I go, oh, that's interesting. He And he has he, he would he would go into, like, uh, some place that is in the middle of nowhere, uh, dry, a, a desert area, and find like an old um, uh, building or structure of some sort and notice that, especially if they were made out of stone or mm-hmm. bricks or something, that he would notice this black, like a black mold or a black fungus mm-hmm. in an area where there's really nothing else living. And mm-hmm. it was on on top of these buildings. So you, it would be like dirt mm-hmm. where there was no dirt. In other words, it would be on top. You see this black, you see it in a lot of photos. It's this kind of a black goo. It's like soot. On top of uh, that's covering parts of the place where it lands, and that is, he believes, is part of the that that stuff, whatever it is, eats into the uh, to the structure and just destroys and turns it into sand. Uh huh. That was his theory. I don't know what, and then it, it was just never talked about it again. But I've always 
kind of monitored the uh, growth of the deserts. It's a ways to go. Well, this is interesting because this leads me into another guy, dead guy, Rudolf Steiner. Are you familiar with the, the work of Rudolf Steiner? Uh, you know, the name rings a bell. Biodynamic agriculture. Oh, oh he's the biodynamic guy? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he lived, I'm, let me, I, I looked him up in the Book of Knowledge, Rudolf Joseph Lorenzsteiner, uh, February 1861 to March 1925, Austrian philosopher, social reformer, architect, and eccentrist. Ooh. No, esoterist. No, esotericist. Jeez. There you go. What's Third an esotericist? What is that? Can I be that? Yeah, you are. Okay, I, I am now. Es- what do you, when someone say? Oh, what do you do? I'm an esotericist. Perfect. And you can't you pronounce it right every and, time. And you can't be an esotericist without a terrorist. Uh, he gained initial recognition as a literary critic. Anyway, so he came up with uh, idealist philosophy and theosophy. But the thing that I was uh, was brought to my attention was the biodynamic agriculture. Right. Now, biodynamic agriculture was brought to my attention uh, twice, and yesterday was the second time by the same guy, uh, Farmer Chris, at the Austin Market. Now, Farmer Chris is a huge fan of the show, um, and he uh, he's our uh, mainly eggs. But for the past, I'll say, a couple months, he's been selling onions. And I'm not talking just, you know, like an onion. I'm talking these onions are as big as a kid's head. These things are, uh, we've seen onions like that. In right. I have a photo of, of Jay with a big giant onion on her head that's bigger than her head. <laughs> right. Exactly. It's so crazy you took a picture of it. So yes. he, he has these every single week, and I love buying them because one onion feeds eight Last people. A month. It feeds eight people. No, it's just perfect for dinner parties. I'll just take an onion. Uh, but he'll, he'll package them neatly with a rubber band. He'll have a really big one and then a smaller one. And... Uh, and so I said, Chris, how do you? And by the way, they're so good. It's such an outstanding product. You Probably want, a sweet onion. There. Yes, it is. You want to bite it? And I have. I've I've taken these onions and just eaten it like an apple. Yeah, that's, that's sweet onion. You can yeah. do that. So, um, are these not are these not good for cooking? I use them. I love them. No, no, they're good for cooking too. The problem with the sweet onion is that they don't keep very well because the so much moisture content in the onion. These keep for really a week. Not even in the fridge, just just on the counter. No problem. Yeah, well, a week is not very long for an onion. Oh, okay. Well, we you know, I get in, I get new onions every week. I eat his onions. I eat okay, his. Okay, okay, go on with the story. So, um, and I say, Chris, how do you do this? He says, Oh, uh, uh, biodynamic agriculture. Like, in fact, I heard that very sound when he said that, <laughs> like biodynamic agriculture. And, uh, and I said, well, explain this to me. And he said, okay, well, this is so, you know, apparently when he is uh, uh, planting or when he's uh, harvesting, he does it at very specific days at specific times. And, uh, and you know, this could, it's, it's all, it, it, uh, there's a lot of the moon and the stars and the universe. Yeah, yeah. Does, he, does he have the cow head filled with weird herbs that he has to bury in the field? Did he tell you about that part? No, I'll ask him. I'll ask him on Saturday, and he didn't mention it, so no, I don't know about that. There's some really weird stuff. Let me give you a little what I know about it. And I, this is a tip. This is People always say, well, you talk a little bit about, more about food. Here's a tip for everybody. 
the French have, and some of the Italians, but mostly the French, have taken up biodynamic uh, agriculture for their vineyards. Not all of them, but a, but like five percent, quite a few, and some very famous places. As a matter of fact, there's a couple biodynamic places in the Napa Valley. My experience is that if you go to a wine list and you you're looking at wine, and you see the word biodynamic next to the wine, mm-hmm. get that wine. Okay. And here's the re- here's my rationale. I don't believe this biodynamic thing is that big of a deal, or if it, even if it works. But these guys who choose to use biodynamic, this is just I think coincidental. The people who choose it's very rigid. You have to be on top of everything. There's a lot of processes. You got to do things at a certain time, and the moon's got to be a certain way, and you got to do this, you got to do that. So you're always on top. Essentially, you become a like a neat freak about your property and you're you're actually putting so much work into it because you have to follow this process that you produce a better product naturally. Mm-hmm. Now, so, so this is also known as Stella Natura, by the way. Yeah, I think that's the Italian version. Yeah. I, anyway, so the uh, so when you see a wine, generally speaking, it's an outlier too. It's not like a mainstream overpriced wine. It's some like, God knows what is this? You know, it's red. It's about it. But it says biodynamics usually really cheap. It's cheaper than the regular wines that are not biodynamic but are made by more marketing-oriented companies. You will always get a really good wine for the money and it, without fail. I have done this for years. I always say, oh, biodynamic, try that. And it's always a winner. So that's just your that's your tip of the week. So, um so in a, in a way, you think there's something to it. Whether you the I don't know about the cow's head and everything, but you know you're kind of applying the placebo effect to, exactly to it. Okay, that's fine. So, but here's ask him about the cow's head. I will ask him about the cow's head. But I know that he does go out on you know in the middle of the night and the full moon, and that's when he's going to plant or that's when he harvests. And you know what? Uh, I love Farmer Chris and I love his outstanding product. So. Uh, whatever he's doing is good by me. But here's where he got me. He says, Adam, you need to look at the Stella Natura. You need to look at the at the biodynamic calendar. He says, you will be very amazed when you – because the, the biodynamic calendar works with the apogee and the um, – is it perigee? Yeah, perigee. So the apogee is when the moon is the furthest from the earth, and the perigee is when the moon is the closest to the earth in its orbit. He says, go and look – um, at at big events in history, and compare that to the biodynamic Stella Natura calendar. And if I look at April fifteenth, which was an apogee, um, so the moon the furthest away from the Earth at three twenty two is the exact apogee, which would have been four twenty two in Boston. You go back, you look at September eleventh, two thousand one, apogee. At like 8 a.m. It's kind of freaky when you see that these things are happening at these certain, well, at least these two events. I haven't, uh, I haven't, didn't have time to look at, you know, everything I could think of. So I do want to um, look at the next uh, apogee, which will be tomorrow. So we can put this to the test and see if anything happens. Tomorrow, the apogee will be at 6.32 a.m., so 7.32 a.m. New York time. Uh, May 13th is the next apogee. So we, we need to track this and see if stuff's, if stuff's happening or not. Okay. I'm putting it in the book. 
I'm sticking with the FBI apogee uh, cycle. Well, but it, but th- th- it doesn't mean which that is it a can't... six-week cycle, which does not match the moon. Well, the FBI guys—they're they're out of whack. They're really out of whack. This whole this Boston thing really screwed them up. I mean, it's gotten so bad now that we we now you know it's, now it's like uh, I have a hangnail, and those two kids did it. I know they did. Hey, remember, remember the stock crash? It was the Sarnef brothers. This evening, authorities in Boston say they have, quote, mounting evidence that those two brothers could be linked to another whore. Could be linked to another whore. Did he say whore? He said, yes, he said whore. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Hey, wait a minute. I'm pretty sure he said whore. Let me listen to that again. This evening, authorities in Boston say they have, quote, mounting evidence that those two brothers could be linked to another whore. A triple murder <laughs> on the anniversary of September 11th. ABC's uh-huh. Gio Benitez. I love these memes. Triple murder on the anniversary of September 11th. It couldn't get any better. In fact, they, they did 9-11, these two. They flew the planes. On the Boston case again tonight. The chilling details come from a new look at a cold case. It was 2011 on the 10th anniversary of the September 11th attacks, and three strong men had turned up dead in the Boston area. Investigators telling us this crime was not random. At this hour, they're looking for two assailants. Two assailants police never found. The bodies of Brendan Mess, Eric Weissman, and Raphael Tekken had been mutilated, nearly decapitated. Marijuana covered the bodies, and $5,000 in cash found nearby. Well, that sounds just like what these guys do all the time. Now investigators say forensic evidence may point to the alleged Boston bombers. Cell phone records show the Sarnayev brothers were in the area the day of the murders. (laughs) The first thing that one of my law enforcement sources said was... This is a reporter for ABC News in Boston. I mean, you can just hear the bogativeness dripping off of it. This looks like something out of an Al-Qaeda training video. Of course it does. This is so graphic. Investigative reporter Michelle McPhee covered the murders. So apparently the Al-Qaeda uh, training manual tells you to cut people's throats, cover them in marijuana, and throw cash on them. And this is how ridiculous this has gotten. They will do anything to distract you from even thinking straight about anything that happened uh, in Boston. Anything at all. And to make it worse, they're now spraying people like bugs. This is nuts. This is... Um, spraying people. Oh, there's chemtrails all over the area. Here's the report. And this is this is really sad what is happening here. Every night for nearly the past two weeks, residents have spotted a low-flying aircraft doing loops over the city. As Bill Shields shows us, the FAA knows what's going on, but the agency isn't telling. It's, it's frightening. It's, it's more than weird. It's frightening. That's what a lot of people in Quincy are feeling right now. For the past 10 days or so, an airplane has been buzzing around the city from dusk to dawn, flying low and slow. And it's not the state or local police. I mean, it is strange. I don't know if they're looking for somebody or... Um, I have no idea. Yeah, me neither. They yeah. won't tell us. Yeah, they won't tell us either. City Councilor Brian Palmucci has been inundated well, with calls, calls from residents. From... But he could get little information from the FAA other than the flights are authorized. I specifically asked, well, can we... Is it a law enforcement flight? Can we tell people that? He said, no, can't, can't tell you that. And then I said, well, when folks call me, can I at least tell them that it's something they shouldn't worry about? It's, it's something they shouldn't be concerned with. And he said, I can't tell you that. We called the FAA and were told only that the aircraft is not a drone, it's manned. And 
We have to be very careful this time. Even the mayor has been kept in the dark, and he doesn't like it. Here's the case. We're as frustrated as the constituent in the sense because we don't know the answer. We don't know what's going on. Obviously, when the federal government wants to keep something quiet, they keep something very quiet. And in this case, they wouldn't even say how long these flights will continue. In Quincy, I'm Bill Shields, WBZ News. And by the way, the aircraft is not flying when it's cloudy out, only on starlit nights. Mm-hmm. Go ahead and Google uh, Quincy, or Quin it's, you pronounce it Quincy, but you uh, spell it Q-U-I-N-C-Y, chemtrails. They chemtrailed in Austin the other day, like earlier this week. Oh, my God, it was unbelievable. I haven't seen that in Austin since we've lived here. They're just spraying us, just like, just like a shut-up slave spray. Yeah, it's a... Yeah, oh, I'm sorry, persistent jet trail. contrails. Yeah, sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Besides that, if you did a calculation on them, I don't. It would have to be a part per billion product that would. And it's not drifting. It's just sitting up there. This chemtrail over Quincy. It doesn't just May thirteenth is bogative. This stuff doesn't drift, John. It's it falls to the earth. It's why is it staying up there then? It, no, it's not it, falling anywhere. It, then you're looking at a picture. That's a photo. You, oh, so you actually have a movie of it falling? Yeah. Oh, in L.A., I did. I took movies all the time. It floats down to the earth. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Dream on, big boy. Um, got, this is... Uh, oh, yeah. No, I'm crazy. No, I'm crazy. Sure. Yeah, this, there's no... You're crazy. I'm crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. By the way... Uh, no, wait. I'm chemtrailed. Uh, leave me be. Uh... Listen, listen to this. Do you remember this interview with the China... Uh, entrepreneur who did not want to be uh, recognized, therefore he was in silhouette and incognito. Remember this? China, Danny the China man? Remember this? I'm too unfortunate yeah, myself here. Yeah. Okay, now listen to what he says here. I have to pour the handler on the door. At the gas station, Johar left the car to pay. Tamerlan was fiddling with the GPS. Danny knew this might be his last chance. How do you do that in your head? Do you say one, two, three? I was, I was counting, I was counting, uh, one, two, three, four. And I just do it. And, uh, now, you remember we laughed about him saying this one, two, three, four. Right. And I got an email from Simon. Adam, John, I just listened to episode uh, 509. Uh, I was listening to a bunch of episodes in a row, and I had a thought about Danny the China guy. I found it really odd that he was, uh, when he was asked if he counted to three before he got out of the car, that he said no, he counted to four. I have a few Chinese friends, and they all assure me four is an extremely unlucky Chinese number. I believe that's because the word is similar to the word death. I'm pretty sure that no true Chinese person would choose the number four as a starting point for their run for freedom and escape from possible death. Just a thought. That's good. Yeah, this this is why we're the best podcast in the universe. People yeah, that thinking, is absolutely correct. People thinking about stuff. And we noticed it. We're like... Why did yeah, we did notice it was off. It was weird. It was obviously. weird, yeah, cause, and it's almost like they're giving us it's clues. Like, no, I, I, I don't even think it was that. I was thinking the guy's a phony anyway. Yeah, well, so there is no Danny. <laughs> yeah, really. And so, and so he's, <laughs> but he's been given the microphone. It's like this, this Ramsey character, 
who's on every show he can be on, oh. and so he's just hogging the mic. That's why he came up with, no, 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 it wasn't, it was four. I, I want to talk <laughs> yeah, more. Yeah. Did you see, I, I didn't record it, did you see Anderson Pooper interviewing him? <laughs> Isn't the funny? No, but I do have I do have a worse interview, which is George. Oh. Stefan Poopolis. Stefan uh, <laughs> Nipolas, yeah. Interviewing him, and he's, oh, he's so, he's just so, oh, he's just so <laughs> much like this. Right, so let's just, so... This has to be part of such a so. What do we think? Yeah, it's it's, a pre, this is a prelude to Doctor Phil. I'm telling oh, you. Yeah. Oh, same, no, no. oh same yeah, same story. Absolutely. Here we go. This is for those of you who don't know. This is the neighbor who didn't do much other than call nine one one. It's like, can you operate a phone? Yes, you're a hero. Can you eat a hamburger? Yes, you're a hero. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Boy, I know it has been a whirlwind for you since Monday night. How are you feeling? I'm happy. I mean, you know, I'm, <laughs> you know. He's, he's hammered. He's hammered. <laughs> he's hammered. Pushing to the level. As, you know, <laughs> a little Red Bull helps. Okay, I understand that. <laughs> You're drunk, right? How was that horror we gave you? <laughs> he, by the way, put a Red Bull into the screen. Oh, jeez. Really? Yep. Oh God! That's can you? So it, maybe it even went like this. Hey, can you act a little like tired, and then we can throw the Red Bull at you? It's, it's our sponsor. You get it, right? Hey, maybe they'll uh, they'll actually uh, hook you up with a sponsorship if you try it. Exactly. Uh, and I also know that you do not like the word hero, but it is true that when you answered that door and helped kick it down. The can I just say something before I, can I just interrupt? He said help. Yeah. No. Help. I want I want to roll it back. I just wanted to say something because we make that joke about the Red Bull. I want people to know that uh, when I did, and this was a government program, uh, this was a government uh, non-commercial program. The show was called Countdown, which I, uh, which I hosted for several years in the Netherlands, and uh, we took money. The production company took money from the milk industry, so this was set in like a bar, kind of like a club grungy club bar where people were drinking beer for sure and you know you saw people drinking beer it was okay but then i would be into i'd be sitting there with mick jagger okay i'd be interviewing mick jagger and then okay and then and, and no seriously the producer would cue me to take a drink of milk you're kidding no it so he would have a beer i would have a glass of milk and I would get a cue to drink. To t now, they gave me a car, so I wasn't complaining. <laughs> this, I, they gave me a Volvo 480 ES to shut me up. Here, have a car. Okay. So I just want people to know that it's really happened. And that yeah, was and I wouldn't be surprised if this guy wasn't told to do this. He, he, he grabbed, he's acted tired, and he held the Red Bull up, and then Stephanopoulos says... Because the guy didn't hold, he didn't say Red Bull. Right. He just held up the can. And Red Stephanopoulos Bull. says Red, Red Bull. Bull. Thank you so much for joining us this morning, boy. I know it has been a whirlwind for you since Monday night. How you feeling? I'm happy. I mean, you know, I'm, you know, pushing to the level as you know, period. <laughs> a little Red Bull helps. Okay, I understand <laughs> that. And I also know that you do not like the word hero, but it is true that when you answered that door and helped kick it down, those young women were finally rescued uh, after so long. Has that sunk in for you? Mm -mm. <laughs> no? It's going to be a while, bro. Bro. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I'm just... 
Now I'm speechless. Yeah. And you had never seen Amanda Berry before that moment when you went to her door. No. What did she say to you in, in, in those moments after you finally were able to get her out there and get her on the phone for the 911 call? She says, uh, it's, it's more girls in that house. And I was just blown away from that statement. You know what I mean? And, and uh, when the police got there, they went up there and brought the rest of them out. And you, had, and you had never seen anything of any of them before, even though you knew Ariel Castro a bit. Not only, I didn't see nothing. Apparently, <laughs> my neighbors haven't seen anything either. This guy's on crack, John. He's on crack, <laughs> telling you. It's crack. So what are the, no, this has got to go beyond, is this something funny happen or is it like this the whole time? Well, there was a. He well, does no, have no, a funny no. line. Well, let's, listen, let's, listen, let's listen. Let's listen. Let's listen. Let's listen. Now I've been there a year. She's been right there next door to me for a year. It's every day since I've been on that year. So let me tell you something. When you move into a new neighborhood, see, I'm from the east side. Now, the, here, here's what's happening. So, so the and I want to hear the rest of this. So the they. Invite him because they hope what they want is they don't want this guy. This guy is an a-hole. They want the guy that goes, I know you can't have no white girl running into a black man's arms. That's what they want. They want the Eddie Murphy, you know, pop, yeah, bug-eyed, crazy black guy. Yeah. You know, they, I was eating a McDonald's hamburger. And I was thinking, damn, I want a Red Bull. That's what they're trying to get the guy to do. And so they jacked him up last night, but they didn't jack him right. And so now he's hungover, and he's he's a dud. This is a dud. He does have a good line at the end. As right. I think okay. he finally steps out of it. Right. I'm from Richmond Heights. I went to Brush High School. Okay? I went to Orange. Hey. 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 <laughs> did, did George just say, I went to Orange? Like, we're bros now? Did he just yes. say that? <laughs> Hey, I'm uh, three feet smaller than you and white and wimpy, but I went to Orange. Are we bros now? Wait, we're rivals. It's cool. It's <laughs> cool. It's cool. It's cool. It's cool. But you didn't see anything. Not one iota. <laughs> because I wouldn't have been speaking to this dude. Dude, there we go. He's getting I there. I give this dude his mail. When it comes to my house. More Red Bull, quick. He's getting better. I eat his food when he feels like barbecue. Oh, yeah. Now we're going. When he feels like playing salsa music. Yeah. I try to, you know, maringa. You know what I mean? <laughs> there we go. Yeah, he's getting Had funny. Had I known that, would this be a whole different interview now, wouldn't it? Sure would be a whole different interview. And so you ate ribs with him, you dance with him. Oh, I love it where he's with Anderson. Oh, God, I should have recorded. I, I didn't even think about it. It was so dumb. He's like, if I had known that, I'd be sitting here for triple murder right now. I'd be killed that guy. <laughs> yeah, brother. Sure. You saw him every once in a while. And there was nothing at all in his demeanor that would give you the inkling that he could do something like this. <laughs> No. <laughs> uh, that scary? It is. So either I'm that stupid or his kind or that good. 
You've really become a phenomenon all across the country in the last 48 hours. I'm sure you've uh, seen some of uh, some of all the craziness going out all across the web, including that auto-tune of your original interview. How does that feel to you right now? If people are happy, there is no feeling. You do what you got to do. And you did what you had to do at the right moment, Charles Ramsey. Thanks very much. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> Get him to liven up. Get him more Red Bull. So they, oh. they, they didn't. You heard the auto tune? Yeah. I hate auto tune. <laughs> Is this? Do I play this now? Oh, you can play it. But I'm play talking with Charles Ramsey. Take. He's a neighbor. Uh, t- walk me through again what happened this afternoon. I knew something was wrong when a little pretty white girl ran to a black man. I love auto tune. I think it's great. What's your problem with it? I love it. I think it's funny. This is very creative. This is good work. Hey, would somebody I'll please? Play it, if you like it so much. Well, no, I've heard it a million times. It's not like novel. You know, I'll play. I'll play it for myself, and I'll dance around later after the show. You know, people can take you. And auto-tune you and, and make a great song out of it. And it's, it's funny. I mean, I could take this, this any No Agenda yeah, episode. Yeah, I know what you're saying. I'm just saying it's cliched. It's old. It's two years old. It's a passe. I just don't get why anyone would do it. And they put the amount of work they put into this guy's thing is ridiculous. I mean, it actually is a song. Yeah. But what's the point? What, what, do, 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 is it so gotten so bad that people can waste their time on this sort of thing? Oh, I see. You don't understand. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, it's an app. The whole idea is the people who made this auto-tune sell the app. It's it, the, the, They do these auto-tunes. Yeah, no, I understand that. But this song was edited to, make, to, to run through that app. It wasn't just straight up. No, but that doesn't matter. People go, oh, that's cool. I can do that. Let me get the app. The whole thing is just to sell the app. Everything's a pitch. All right. Can we move right. on to something more serious? Because this is... Yeah, you mean like the IRS cracking down, even though this is against the law, and then your buddy Carney just goes on and he tries to use a new phrase. I got Carney in the IRS. The phrase for what... He substitutes the word inappropriate for what I believe should be the word illegal. Good Friday afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for being here. I appreciate uh, your patience. Uh, before I take your questions, I just wanted to note, because it's been uh, reported, we, we... That's funny. We have exactly the same thing. Oh, th- you let this go into the IRS question. Okay, I guess. Yes. Uh-huh. As uh, many of you know, have a background briefing here at the White House earlier. Uh, I think 14 news organizations were represented, ranging from online to uh, broadcast TV, print, and the like. Uh, and uh, we do those periodically. We, we hope that uh, participants find them helpful. Uh, I will say that no one here believes that briefings like that are a substitute for this briefing, which is why I'm here today to take questions uh, on whatever issues uh, you want to ask me about. And with that, I will go to the Associated Press. Thanks, Jay. Uh, Two subjects, Uh, starting out with the uh, IRS issue. Uh, IRS says it's flagged conservative groups with names like Patriots or Tea Parties for review and says that in some instances it's workers inappropriately asking the identities of donors and it has apologized. When did the White House become aware that the IRS engaged in this? And in a tax collection system that relies on trust, isn't the IRS's credibility at stake here? Uh, And uh, will the White House, as called on by Senator McConnell, uh, call for an investigation? 
Well, two things, Jim. I appreciate the question, uh, and we've certainly seen those reports. When, it, when he says, I appreciate the question, I presume that was scripted that he asked this question. And he's seen the reports. Yeah. Does anybody really think that there was no involvement here? Uh, well, the, well. And then he blames Bush. Well, <laughs> let's let me hear that. That's funny. My understanding is this matter is under investigation by uh, the IG uh, the, at the IRS. The IRS, as you know, is an independent uh, enforcement agency uh, with only two political appointees. The uh, fact of the matter is what we know about this uh, matter. is yep. of concern, and we fact. certainly find the uh, actions taken uh, as reported to be inappropriate, and we would fully expect the investigation to be thorough and for uh, corrections to be made. Uh, in a case like this, and I believe the IRS has addressed that and has taken some action, and there's an investigation ongoing. But it certainly uh, does seem to be, based on what we've seen, uh, to be uh, inappropriate action that uh, uh, we would want to see thoroughly investigated. Given that the President was so critical of some of these groups, in both in 2010 and in 2012, isn't it natural for the public to think that these things are politically motivated? What assurances? Well, I, I think, they're, they're, first of all, uh, two things need to be uh, noted, which is uh, IRS is an independent enforcement agency, the, uh, which I believe, as I understand it, uh, contains only two political appointees within Yeah, it. yeah, we heard the, you. Uh, individual uh, who was running the IRS at the time was actually an appointee from the previous uh, administration. (laughs) You (laughs) a-hole. But separate from that, uh, there is no question that if this activity uh, took place, it's inappropriate and there needs to be action taken. All right, let me me say something about this. A couple things. I'm glad you brought this up. One, um, this president in particular has threatened with this before. And when he threatens something... He usually comes through on it. I will remind you of one of my favorite clips. I have two words for you. Predator drones. This guy, he's not a joke. He says predator drone, he goes out and he kills thousands of people, women and children, and by his own kill list. So uh, I dug back in the archives, and oh yeah, lo and behold, it's another joke. It's always funny when he says it. Ha, 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 ha. This was much ado about nothing. But I do think we all learned an important lesson. I learned never again to pick another team over the Sun Devils in my NCAA brackets. It won't happen again. President Crow and the Board of Regents will soon learn about being audited by the IRS. <laughs> You're an asshole because you do That's these amazing. things. He does That's these a things. Great clip. He does these things. That's the top comeback clip of the month. Thank you. That is, but it, 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 you can't. You know, when he makes these jokes, he means that. He means it. Well, it would seem so. And I have had this happen to me. I in the Netherlands. Oh my God. Oh, I have been raped by the the Dutch uh, tax uh, the IRS. I've been, what I've been raped in America. The IRS who have guns, who came to my office with their hands on their guns looking for me. Because they couldn't find me for 10 years. Yeah, I, would, I left the country. Ever hear of Google, idiots? And this, and, and, and this is not an uncommon occurrence for presidents uh, and people in power to use the IRS to audit people and make their lives hell. 
and the IRS is armed. They have guns. They can tap your email. I mean, this is in the news at the same time where the IRS and the FBI are saying they have legal authority to to eavesdrop and tap your email because oh, it's you know everyone's got to be paying their fair share. Meanwhile, the, the uh, this was kind of the funny one that was circulating. So the IRS, you know, this came out in an IRS press conference with a bunch of uh, uh, reporters. And uh, and you, know, you just hear the hubris of these morons. Confirm one point. It's Tom Costello with NBC News. You're saying a quarter of the 300 were associated with Tea Party or Republican uh, issues, correct? No. I said that about a quarter of the cases that were selected for full development had either Tea Party or Patriot in their name. Okay. So just, sorry, thank you for the clarification, but that's that would be uh, a quarter of the 300 then. So we're talking 75 or so? Um, that's correct. Is that a quarter? That's correct. That's <laughs> correct. Thank you. I'm not good at math. That's correct. Ah, she's the IRS. You're with the IRS. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. I'm not good at math. Yeah, I'm not good at math. That yeah. was a classic. Yeah. Uh, but notice in here... It's not so much the Tea Party, it's the Patriots part. This is what really is pissing me off, is we are taking the entire concept of being a patriot and turning it into something bad. Um, you remember we had the uh, the but last... While, uh, while waving the flag, it's weird. Well, and, and uh, one of our producers uh, sent me an interesting link. He said, you know, you're now a terrorist if you're a patriot. Uh, remember the, uh, the 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 old kook who was in the double wide trailer and they like he had uh, <laughs> he had Molotov cocktails and like whoa we, we, we had to arrest this guy because he put it on his yeah, Facebook it was on our last show yeah on his Facebook you know well anyway so he's a member of the Black Snake Militia now do you know what the Black Snake what the Black Snake refers to the this, snake on the Don't Tread on Me flag yes that is known as the Gadsden flag. And the Gadsden flag uh, is very interesting history. Uh, if you uh, you can look it up in the in the book of knowledge, but it's the "Don't Tread on Me" flag. I guarantee you, if you fly this flag now, which you know historically this is this is a huge, hugely patriotic flag for so many different reasons. You know, and and you've probably and when I grew up in the seventies, um, I remember there was a T-shirt. I think I might have had one actually. And it would be the snake, and it said, don't tread on me. Yeah, it was in the 70s, bicentennial. And then underneath it, it said, for 200 years, nobody has. That was kind of like, hey, hey, America, fuck yeah. But now, all these symbols, including the Confederate flag, which I, you know, well, we have to give up on that one. But now, the Gadsden flag, it's just, if you say you're a patriot, you are now uh, a terrorist. That's what it is. This is the upside-down world that we live in. Yeah, no, I'm I'm 100% with you on this one. You can buy these flags, by the way, from all these flag vendors. There's a black version, the black Gadsden flag. What the heck is that? I don't know. The black Gadsden flag. It doesn't say anything about it. I meanwhile... Uh, I mean something. I got a... Uh, well, let's see, I can save that one. Um, I, I did want to touch briefly on... This 3D gun printing business, because I've I got some problems with what is happening here, because this is happening in our, in my backyard. Uh, you know, this. Uh, Why would you print a 3D gun when you can go buy one down the street? 
Well, I don't think this is about uh, 3D guns at all, about printed guns uh, whatsoever. I think this is about something different. And uh, so I have a couple of clips. I actually have a very good uh, piece from C-SPAN, which uh, I feel really explains what I'd like to play it in its entirety. It's a couple minutes, a little longer than I'd normally like to play, like two and a half minutes. Then I'd like to take it to the douchebag Chuck Schumer, who I think is really going to tell us what is happening and what this is all about. Um, so this I found to be a very good explanation, very calm. The guy calls the guy an anarchist without you know freaking out. Some good answer, questions and answers. Uh, this gives you an overview of what happened recently. You may have seen this week's stories concerning what is known as the Liberator. It's a plastic gun comprised of about 16 pieces, except for one piece of metal, which is a common nail. This gun printed it's at not home true. on what's known as a 3D printer. What's not true? The specs for the gun require both the nail as a firing mechanism, but it also requires a metal cube. Okay. All right. Well, but that's uh, yeah, anyway, the, the point is there's metal in the gun. That's that is important to the story. And this week, yeah. the State Department asked the person who put this uh, the plans out for this gun asked them to take down those plans as they consider uh, some of the implications there. Joining us to tell us a little bit more about this, Andy Greenberg. He's with Forbes magazine, writes on the issues of technology, privacy, and information security. Mr. Greenberg, thanks for joining us. Now, I'm going to say that I think Greenberg is complicit in this. Forbes magazine is complicit in what is going on. And my main reason for saying that is everyone just lets the State Department go. There's not a single State Department official who has even been questioned. Because then otherwise he would say, we asked the State Department for comment. No, there's no, it's just like, oh, I saw the letter and I'm going to reprint the letter. So, so there is a setup here. Thanks for having me. Uh, Mr. Greenberg, can you start by telling us more about this gun and how it came about? Right. Well, Cody Wilson is a great. Texas Why do you say great? Uh, he's 25. Because it's great. Because I'm great. I don't know. I mean, because he, he is on a mission. He's a part of a scam. Five years old. And for the last year, he's had this goal of 3D printing an entire gun. A 3D printer, of course, is a, a machine that can lay down fine strands of plastic into solid shapes just as easily as an HP printer can put ink on a page. And it creates very precise objects. So the idea is this is a gun that anybody can download off of the Internet and print out in their own homes. And Wilson, who is a libertarian and an anarchist, intends this to be a gun that essentially evades all forms of gun control. He, he thinks that he can show that the government is irrelevant on this issue, that, that a 3D printable gun cannot be controlled in the same way that one that has to be bought from a, you know, from a commercial supplier can be. So here are the various parts that were involved in the creation of this gun, and how is it tested out? Has it had the ability to fire on a consistent basis? Well, I spent some time with Cody, and I, I witnessed the first test firings of this gun that he calls the Liberator. Uh, first, he pulled, he he fired it uh, with a 20-foot string just for safety, and then later he did fire it by hand for the first time. And as far as I was able to tell, and he was able to tell in those tests, it's uh, even despite the fact that the barrel is plastic and that the body of the gun is plastic as well. In fact, the entire thing is plastic except a single nail used as the firing pin. It is capable of firing a standard handgun round without visible damage. And even if the barrel is damaged, he can swap in a new barrel that can be printed in just a couple of hours. Is it legal for that he did this? It's, well, Cody, as I said, is a law student. He's been very careful in almost every way to, uh, to make sure that what he's doing is entirely legal. In fact, he would say every way. Uh, he, he obtained a, manuf a manufacturing license to become a licensed firearms manufacturer uh, to make sure that it abides by this 
Undetectable Firearms Act, he put a chunk of metal into it that's entirely extraneous. It's just a way to, to abide by that law. If, if you printed it at home, you could take that out and have an, a pretty much undetectable firearm, likely. Uh, the one thing that he's been caught on by the State Department is the fact that he's essentially, it's as if he's exported this gun, this, um, this kind of new firearm, uh, simply by putting it on the Internet. So the Department of Defense, through the State Department, has demanded that he take it down because he's, he's supposedly uh, violated export controls of, of weapons. Okay, here's the things that, uh, that are bothering me. This whole story stinks now. Um, this Cody R. Wilson, I'm not trusting who this guy is. You try to find anything about him, where he's from, there's nothing in the book of knowledge. It's just he's a law student. I look at the videos. These are professionally shot, highly stylized, very, very uh, precisely done. Slick. He's very slick. He's getting big printers for free. This defense distributed. It's oh, it's a nonprofit, but it's pending because. And I looked. You know, you know me. I'm I'm way into that stuff. So he he says that it was pending in 2012. Well, bullcrap. You know, where's your status? You know, there's it's not there's no, there's no record of this being uh, an approved uh, nonprofit. It doesn't take that long. You can already operate as a nonprofit and put out your reports. And I'm thinking, hold on a second. This stinks, and I and you know and oh really? This is a big deal. This is not a big deal. Wait, wait hold on it, a second. I want to add one more thing to your this stinks thesis. Why was this Greenberg guy, who's just a writer for Forbes, essentially, who writes about security, at the firing of the first gun? Yeah, because it's Seems a like setup. Seems like an unlikely coincidence. It's a setup. Unless they're in bed together, you know, in one way or another. No, we are on, I'll talk, yes, they're in bed together. Um, and I, I want to, I wanted to add, um, ah, you kind of broke my train of thought. It doesn't really matter. Um, this Cody R. Wilson guy, this stinks. This stinks. I can go to Home Depot and make a gun better than what he printed. It's called the Zip Gun. This is not a huge deal. This yeah, is, they were made in the 50s by, yeah, by gangs. Yeah. This is a red herring. And now uh, we go to Chuck Schumer, who first, here he is with the party line. So this is how scary it is. Oh, we have to be really afraid. Well, look. Look. We all remember the Clint Eastwood movie Look. in the line of fire. And John Malkovich, one of the great original bad guys in that movie, mm -hmm. spent months and months and months trying to create a gun out of wooden plastic so he could assassinate the president. Now it's not a movie anymore, it's reality. And I think society will push Congress to act no matter what the NRA does. Okay, so that is, there's, now it's set, okay? So now, oh, that's right, he might kill the president, and we have plastic guns. Oh my God, oh, what? Wow, this is the original bad guy. He did it. Now, when a politician says to you, particularly Chuck Schumer, who I've met personally, and he scared the crap out of me, so evil this man is. When a politician says, we're not doing this because of that. John, would you agree with me? That's pretty much a lie. Well, and that's exactly why they're doing it. Of course. Very common. We see it all the time. Technology does some very good things. These 3D printers, which print, print sort of 3D plastic the way they'd spray ink on a piece of paper, have a lot of very good uses. No one wants to abolish them. Yes, you do. That is exactly what this is about. We are on the cusp of a revolution. 
You see it taking place everywhere. We've got maker fairs. We've got kids very interested. We are on the cusp of a revolution which is going to put big companies, big companies of who sell shiny crap to us out of business. And, of course, it's the gun uh, industry is very worried about this. But all industries do not want the slaves to have this power. This is what's scaring the crap out of them. And I think it's a valid concern. I think we are, this is a, the true revolution. When you combine the Internet, that's why he's doing this. He is, he is being funded, this Cody Wilson, I believe. I'll just say this is my theory. He is being funded to show the world, not just the, 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 the legislators, but other captains of industry, the danger that is approaching of 3D printing, it has to be stopped, and it will be stopped, and they are going to stop this 3D printing business with everything they've got. They're going to try and stop it. Well, good luck with that. Uh, I think they, they could possibly, with a, another one of these gun uh, uh, creations, find some way, because they can print a gun, to license 3D printers. Okay. That, that would be one way to do it. And you'd license them, and you'd have to pay a yearly fee and all the rest of it. Yep. Uh, and that would be used to probably uh, – it would uh, put a crimp in a lot of the homebrew ones because, you know, you can get one for 199 bucks that will print uh, earrings. I mean, don't think that's too much of a big deal. I don't know. I think uh, – let me ask you a question. That horse is long gone. I mean, this is not a. Uh, this oh. is going to go nowhere. But the licensing, I think, is a possibility. John, the horse that the horse is long gone. I disagree. They can stop sale of anything they want. I mean, there's there's all kinds of way to ways to do that. The horse is. I mean, it's. I think that someone woke up and went, "Holy crap! We can't have this. We can't have people making their own stuff." Do you know? How, do you know how much slave Toys will no longer be necessary from big companies. I mean, the, I find the implications of 3D printing to be a, a game changer, way beyond certainly with networked, way beyond anything that, you know that people can even fathom at the moment. Why couldn't we be printing our own chips? I don't see why why that would be impossible. Well, at some point you could. Yeah. So, I mean, all these things, we won't need them. But why not we just make our own iPhone? And you come up with an idea. Everyone works together. Right now, it's, I mean, I'm, I'm already seeing it. I'm making um, the new version of the podcaster, the ultimate podcaster, which is going to be a slimline, you know, enclosed, beautifully designed box. And I'm, you know, I got, you know, Mark Smith is out there. He's in California, and he's... He's doing circuit diagrams, and we'll order the printed circuit board. Now, we could easily print that on a printer. We just don't happen to have one. And we're making this all by ourselves, and FedEx will bring me uh, you know, the first prototype. No one else needed. No big company needed. No arrogant cocksuckers needed. I'm looking at you, Talos. So this is what they're afraid of. And and well, I think they should be. And yes, I think it's a ways down the road before we can do some of the stuff that uh, you're describing for sure. Hmm. But it's coming because once the technology takes hold and people are fine, you know, it's a, it's a, and it's the perfect uh, device for for the uh, you know the razor blade model, which is what yep. everybody always yep. strives to, yep. to obtain. Exactly. And how about this? Get to the razor blade model. We'll all live forever. Hey, one the razor blade model, of course, what I'm referring to for people out there is the 
idea that you build a device. That just all the printers are done this way. Uh, you give the device away, and then you sell supplies, and you forever. How about a flashlight? We make our own flashlights. <laughs> you need it. And the other thing, by the way, the next thing coming up strong is the 3D scanners, which are now just getting traction. Yeah, I can scan my organ. And then print a, a thing. And then print one. Yeah, that's a great idea. A great use. We have this technology as breakthrough. Well, they, there you go. That's that's all that's I can come up with right now. I can't come up with anything else at the moment. I just have Bobby Eden come over. We have a whole cottage industry here. Keep your eye on this one. Keep your eye on what's going on with these 3D printers. They're going to try to ban oh, we'll them. Keep an eye on Cody Wilson and his gang of. Yeah, if anyone knows Cody Wilson, you know anything about him. But yeah, you've seen, you've seen. I know you feel it. I know you feel that there's something something up with this. That is beyond this bullcrap gun. Please, that's insulting. Yeah, you can buy lower receivers, you know, and ship them around. It's just nothing new. And it. I don't know. Yeah, it's a good day. Maybe a good column for me. With Ooh. this guy, Greenberg, this is what he posts. Yeah, keep an eye on that guy. This is the world's first entirely 3D printed gun photos. Ten wild things you can 3D print at home. This is the world's first entirely 3D printed gun, a second version. Meet Steve Israel, the congressman who wants to ban 3D printed guns. Ten wild things you can do with 3D printed home again. Meet the Liberator, test firing the world's first 3D printed gun. Uh, 3D printed guns, blueprint. These are all his articles. Mm -hmm. 3D printed guns, blueprints downloaded 100,000 times in two days. Yeah. With some help from Kim.com. Oh, yeah. You bring him in. (laughs) State (laughs) Department, yeah, right. State Department demands takedown of 3D printed gun files. Mm -hmm. Uh, What else? 3D printed, okay, that's it. Well, maybe they'll outlaw the files. I mean, there's so many things. Look. You can't argue that there isn't a huge industry about against BitTorrents and MP3s and that there isn't some arguable success of scaring people. Export control violations. Well, yeah. I mean, and it's it's right there in the regulation. I mean, you know, the guy becomes a licensed manufacturer. You're a licensed manufacturer. There's the rules. It's like the, the Article 2, Rule Number 1. You can't be distributing your crap around without without a permit. He, yeah, he probably shouldn't have signed up for that program. He's just well, doing software. No, he signed up for it because he's part of some program, John. Yeah, that's it, what your theory is, and I, I'm not going to disagree with it. I mean, do... It's do, fishy. Do a book of knowledge. That, by the way, if I was one of the... 3D prison fooling around making you know products with a gun included. Mm-hmm. It's the last thing I would have thought of that of I have to have a gun licensing permit to or a manufacturing permit. I didn't. I wouldn't have thought of it in a million years. Why would I? So you know, uh, first he was given a 3D printer, then they took it away from him. So here's his book of knowledge: <clears throat> Cody Rutledge Wilson. What kind of name is Rutledge? Born January 31st, 88, is an American law student, self-proclaimed crypto-anarchist and free-market anarchist. He is the founder and director of Defense Distributed, a nonprofit organization. Sorry, Wikipedia. There is no record of it being a nonprofit. That develops and publishes open-source gun design, so-called wiki weapons. Oh, good one. They're trying everything here. Suitable for 3D printing. Uh, then we get Brian Doherty described Wilson. Who's Brian Doherty? 
Describe Brian Doherty's a old marketing guy. I think I think it's a guy I know as Brian Doherty. Uh, describe Wilson as more than just a gun guy. Also states Wilson probably is right about how it has to end. The people will have the power. Uh, Wilson's been named one of 15 most dangerous people in the world by Wired Magazine. Oh, there's another shill, Wired Magazine. Wilson's a second-year law student at the University of Texas Law School in Austin. But that's all. There's nothing about him. You know how they always have, like, a, you know, born here, has a sister, nothing. You know, he, you know this Defense Distributor is right down the street from you. It's in Austin. Yeah, 3800 North Lamar. Why don't you go visit him? Why? Just see what's going on. It might be just a hole in the wall or just a, a, a mail drop. I mean, you're right there. It just seems to me to be something worth checking out. No. Are you crazy? <laughs> the guy's got guns. I'm not going to go hanging around this there. This thing's blow up. <laughs> Defcad. Defcad. Nah. No, I don't, I, you know, I'm calling the guy out as a shill. This doesn't seem like a smart thing to go hang out. I'm I'm a I'm pussy like that. I'm gonna stand here with my big microphone. I didn't say that. I just said drive by it. <laughs> oh, okay. I mean, you want me to do a drive by? Is that what, you, that what you're yeah, recommending? Drive by now? like the regular journalists do. <laughs> well, no, most I'm doing what regular journalists do. Go to Wikipedia and copy that and publish it. <laughs> that's <laughs> it. That's, We're done. <laughs> I'm doing I'm doing my job here, people. All right. Well, we'll keep our eye on this. I, I'm I'm really thinking that this is about the 3D printers, which is a revolution that is beyond anything we can imagine right now. And here's the, this first article that he had in this, on the web page of all the press that they've been getting. The first article listed at the bottom by the National Review, Charles Cook. Guns don't kill people. 3D printers do. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Yeah, this is it. 3D printers, it's dangerous. Danger, danger, Will Robinson. All right, all right, everybody, tell me you heard that on Fox News. All right, tell me you heard that on CNBC or CNN or MSNBC or any of the, or Stephanopoulos or Pooper. Tell me you got that kind of entertainment. If you did, I'll send you 10 bucks. However, if you didn't, support the best podcast in the universe. Please. Coming to you. Course, what? Well, before you go, I, I, I did click on that article, and it's requested page not found. <laughs> yeah. Figures. Coming to you from uh, the capital of the Drone Star State, where MoFo meets SoCo. In Austin, in the morning, I'm Adam Curry. And from northern Silicon Valley, where it's sunny and mild, I'm John C. Dvorak. We will talk to you again on Thursday, right here on No Agenda. The best podcast in the universe. Love. It's the most powerful thing on the planet. Dvorak.org slash N-A.